Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the movies of 1999 from way down here in the hole in 2018. Um, I'm Kenny Divor. I'm Phyllis Gove. Phil, did you have a comment about the hole? I was no, I was. I thought you were going to go with something else. Tell me, what were you thinking? Well, what, it's it's like what is it called? Like Camp Eight or something like that. I thought about that too. Yeah, but it's yeah. also that also is not. Not a fun way. It's not a thing. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they didn't, didn't really, really even show do them in the hall. They didn't show them in the hall. And they all no, looked the, the yeah. right, like outhouses. It looked like outhouses. And I was yeah, wondering, yeah. I, I, as you know, I'm a bladder focused person. <laughs> and so I was wondering, like, how are they relieving yeah. themselves? Is this like uninterrupted week in the in the thing? Like, in yeah. the whole, like, I, it really, like, I had a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. And it did, I had questions about this movie yeah. in general. And it was questions. real warm. And like, it <laughs> yeah. just, it looked like super uncomfortable. I wouldn't want yeah. to be thrown in there. I wouldn't want to be in there. That voice you're hearing is the voice of our guest. Oh yeah! Hey, sure. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love That's it. not. I'm not. I'm not Kenny's multiple personality. I'm no. actually a whole other person. A whole person. with a W. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that whole other personality belongs to Chuck Hayward. Chuck is uh, Chuck is a writer. He writes currently on Dear White People. He wrote on a bunch of other shit that yeah. I know. I mean, it's so funny when we have a guest who's not my friend. Uh, yeah. you can before, list off. I can list yeah. their shit off. So yeah. Chuck, you, I'm going to do. You wrote on Dear White People. You wrote on. Um, someone saves the world on Fox. Uh, Cooper Bear's Guide to Surviving Life. Someone saves, <laughs> yeah, the, world someone saves the world on Fox. Yeah. You wrote on I'm Wendell- gonna pitch that next. <laughs> someone saves the world on Fox. Yeah. You wrote on Wendell and Vinny. I remember that. Yeah, one big happy. On, one big on, happy uh, was your first. No, no, that was the third, and the first one was Bent. On first NBC. one was Bent. Yeah, yeah. I liked Bent. I watched Thank all of Bent. Thank you. Thank you. Was great. I loved it, man. I thought it was going to go a little farther than it did. I really dug that show. Chuck also. 
produced screenwriter. Yes. Wrote Stepsisters on uh, Netflix, Netflix, which, you know, I produced once upon a time. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, true story. W- true, the true story. He also wrote Fat Camp for BET. Um, so he's done a ton of shit in a very short amount of time. But the true Only story six, is... Yeah, sure, uh, 16 uh, short years. <laughs> well, that shit is <laughs> happening. <laughs> but uh, the true story is sisters. Sister. I thought it was such a great idea. And I said, I'd like to produce this. And I never followed up. Lo and behold, goes and gets made. Becomes a big hit. Lane Waithe produced it. Yeah. So, you know... Worked out nicely for Chuck, yeah. less nicely for me. Yeah, but uh, it's okay. That's all right. We got. I got plenty more ideas in this in this giant head of mine. So. Yeah, not to worry. It's a, it's a bottomless pit. Um, Chuck, thanks for coming on. Of course, Thank you so much yes, for coming of course. on. Uh, this was not uh, the movie that I thought it was going to be. So I'm me neither. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it, and also sort of want to get a little info on you. Before we do that, I know it's a little toasty in here. My it apologies. It is warm. We <laughs> yes. are in the hole. It feels a little bit Woo, like we're this in the is hole one right of now. our Sunday podcasts, and on Sundays there's there no AC in this movie. building. All right, yeah. So we're gonna get nice and soggy we're today, get guys. Soggy. Yeah. Yeah, which feels you know consider- considering yeah. this That's movie, true. they're all pretty moist in that. This movie. is yes. a hot, so sweaty movie. They were sweating the movie. whole time. Yes. Yeah, I felt um, very safe. I felt like these people get me, man. This is good. So, how do you know Kenny? Uh, Kenny and I met on Entourage. We both oh, used yeah. to. A little show called a Entourage. Little show called Entourage. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, Kenny hired me. Um, oh, he was a writer. That and actually he, is true. Yeah, he hired me as a PA, uh, which I am eternally grateful for. And then I worked with his then-girlfriend, now wife, uh, mm-hmm. in a different capacity on the same show. Got to be very close to the two of them um, and went to their lovely wedding. Mm-hmm. I didn't nice go to the which Phil did not. I didn't, oh. but I was invited. Yes. So I appreciated the yeah. I want all listeners to know Phil was invited. I wasn't. That's <laughs> well, true. I'm just a better friend. <laughs> so that's, I mean, it's, it's, no, it's fine. I just wanted to make sure yeah, no, that, no, that yeah, was clear. Yeah, 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 yeah no, it's cool. Yeah. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but out of Entourage, there, there are so many things that, you know, were Entourage ish. But also, there were so many good friendships that we made. Yes, we've had were, Wes on this podcast oh, already. Yes, I love Mr. Nickerson. Yes, yes, yes indeed. We've had you. I'm sure there are other writers that will uh, will come on or other. Entourage I hope people, so. people who will come on, who've gone if, on. If for no other reason, then so we can always sing the Entourage theme. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got to hit that note, man. Uh, <laughs> gotta hit that you really got to bring it. I got it. <laughs> so in 1999, where were you living, Chuck? I was living in Syracuse, New York, where I was attending uh, the university there. Okay. And uh, I was drinking a lot of alcohol and <laughs> sure. doing living a lot life. of studying and trudging through snow. And What uh, were you studying back then? Uh, TV, radio, and film. So oh, I actually, so. Okay. actually prepared me for this industry, which I always say like, this has to work out because I'm not trained to do anything else. Like, it's literally the <laughs> I, either could, I couldn't feel only, more similar. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the it's, only thing I'm, yeah. I'm qualified to do. I feel so. incredibly lucky to, to get to do it. And so, yeah. have this podcast and to talk Well, about. obviously. Yes. Of course. So 99, you're in a film and TV program or TV radio program. Yep. So you're seeing a lot of these movies, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of these movies because also, you know, in college, what the fuck else are you doing? <laughs> it was, I was like, yeah. oh, I got plenty of time to see movies. Well, I was also thinking about how, first of all, there was, Kenny and I have obviously at nauseum talked about how many great movies came out in 99, but also how many of them I saw in the theater Yeah, is kind of insane too. I mean, you have such a disposable income at that time, so you're just like burning it on movies. And, you, and, and there were student you. discounts, so you could right, like right, get right. half, you know, right, show your yeah. ID, which right. I did well into my 20s, by the way. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I know I'm people here, that still use I'm it. here in LA from Syracuse yeah. visiting for the weekend. Like, yeah. That's was, amazing. Yeah, you know. So did you see this movie in the theater? Uh, yes, I think I did. Um, but it yeah, did, yeah, did, did it make sure an impression at the time for It you? made a huge impression at the time because I remember thinking like, oh, it's fucking Eddie and Martin. It's going to be like this crazy romp. 
Yeah, and it, it was not. not. Yes. <laughs> it was not. Yeah. It was definitely. Uh, I, I remember thinking, man, it tugged on my heartstrings in a way that I didn't expect it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was a little familiar with Ted Demi's work at the time, and I, you know, so I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I know he's he's you know he takes on bigger subject matter and kind sure. of you know delves takes deep swings. into it. Yeah. Takes big but swings. Even yeah. even with God Ted Demi on this, I, and this is nineteen years later, I still thought this was Ted Demi's. Like kind of weird studio big comedy departure when you look at his filmography. And it's not. It fits nicely into his filmography, yeah. actually, which is really weird. Yeah, yeah. It's. It also, as I was watching, I was thinking about because it's it's produced by Imagine, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously they did Eight Mile. They have done other films in sort of this, yeah, in, in attempts to I don't know, I guess say court African-Americans to a certain extent and that sort of that world. It worked. I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) But it also, I think it's it's interesting because it still has kind of a studio kind of sheen to it. Yeah, it's still, you know, it's produced by Brian Grazer. It has all that kind of quality to it. It's it's directed by Ted Demi who had an interesting career. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You look at sort of the stuff that he did um, but truthfully, I knew that Ted Demi did this film but I had forgotten that he did this film until Till like, until it, again, until yeah. I was watching it, I was like, oh, of course, right, he did this. Um, it's just a much, much more interesting movie than I ever expected it to be. Me too. And I think that's awesome. I, I mean, I, but I would also say, and we were talking about this in the elevator on the way up, it also was marketed as the Eddie Murphy, yeah. Martin Lawrence romp right. that it was not. Right. I so, expected like a Harlem Nights kind of thing. Yeah. Right. right. Was, exactly. Right. Even though it had moments of that. Like in that. that. Yeah. 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 Basically, it's Harlem Nights, but then they all go to jail. Right. Exactly. Right. But, yeah. but I would also say, too, that I, I'm not sure that that the first 30 minutes of this movie are the strongest 30 minutes of the film. Like, I think the film actually comes to life, and forgive the, but truthfully, once they go to jail. Like, that's when the movie starts for yeah. me. Yeah, that's what the whole... Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like that, that's, yeah. and, and that's the thrust of the film. But because of that, it's, it, it drags a little in that first 30 minutes for me. Not that I didn't like it. It definitely drags in the first But I was minutes. like, once it actually... Once they go to jail, I was like, oh, okay. Like, now I now get... Now I'm in. Because it, yeah. it, it leans into it at that point. Mm-hmm. But it's a little... I don't know if you guys agree on that first 30 minutes just being... Could have been a little tighter. 10 minutes out of that, I think, could have actually really helped the film. They could have accomplished what they did. Yeah. They could have accomplished that in 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. It could have, it could have been more fun, but yeah, you go into this movie expecting something very different than what they're giving you. Yes. In, in the context of the whole film, the first thirty minutes actually makes sense because I think this movie was basically conceived as Black Shawshank. I really mm, think, bit. like, I do. I think they, yeah, I, I yeah. think that's what they were going for, and I also think, you know, it seems very unlikely to me that whoever wrote this, yeah, wrote it, was, it as it was, two people. That they they I yes it is I doubt that and we should find out as three probably. writers we should probably yeah we should little, probably shout them, out. shout them out but uh, I'll look it up I got it but uh, I, I I doubt they conceived this as an Eddie Murphy Martin Lawrence vehicle I right see, and it seems fully like, agree and it seems like Demi or whoever Grazer was like well we got Eddie we're gonna let him do Eddie stuff sure. I'm, they may have said we'll let Martin do Martin stuff. He did not do Martin stuff. He didn't do Martin stuff. He was he was the uh, the straight man for the most part. This is his best performance, I think. I thought so too. I thought he it was like understated yeah. and 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 deep. I, I I feel like Eddie went a little farther with um almost sorry, too far there yeah. with uh, yeah, with like almost too far. <laughs> I mean, at times, definitely at times. too far. But he went. I, I feel like he tried to speak more like 
people in the period yeah. did. And I felt like Martin was in 99, like mm-hmm. just straight up in 99, which I, at times took me out of it. But like, because yeah. I, I felt like everybody else sort of tried to talk like people talk because people speak very differently in the 40s and 50s. There, and there was, was a vernacular yeah, that, that was, Martin used that was a little kind of contemporary. Yeah, yes. not just vernacular, but like speech pattern. Like yeah. the, way, like the, the um, casual nature that, that which, with which we speak these days. And yeah. they were a lot more formal back then, like especially like educated folks. Like they, they were, you know. Absolutely. They're New Yorkers, yeah. New Yorkers, yeah, exactly. Who were, you know, he was a, a night school bank teller, all that kind of stuff. Like yeah. he would have spoken a little bit more, I don't know, just kind of like, uh, just period, I guess. Yeah. He just would have spoken more period, you know? I do think it's interesting how, I do think that Martin Lawrence is is really, really good in this film. And I think he gets better as the character gets older. Yeah, he does. Where I, I actually feel like Eddie does the opposite. Totally agree with you. Whereas Eddie's great up top, and then as the character gets older, he kind of just goes nutty professor a little bit at the yeah. end. Yeah, he, you put some prosthetics on that man. He gets, <laughs> yeah. he, he loses he gets his real mind. Yeah, yeah. He, never, yeah. he never lets the character slow down. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if that's Eddie's ego. You know, like that's interesting because he, Martin does let the character slow down. Yeah, like that's a man who's dying. Yeah, and gets introspective. Yes. Whereas at no point do you really get the impression that that Rayford Ray, Ray yeah. ever really looks inward at all. Well, it's not really his movie. That's, that's really true. Martin's movie. I guess yeah, that's yeah, true. that's true. It is it, Martin's it, yeah, movie. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's yeah. more Claude's movie. I mean, Claude. Claude definitely has the arc, right? Yeah. Whereas, right. whereas Ray. Sort yeah. You see things affecting Claude more, whereas yeah. Eddie's or, or you know um, Ray, Ray seems to be. He's. I, I don't want to say one note. That's not the right yeah. word I'm looking for. But it's just he's more consistent throughout. And like you said, there's, there's yeah. not the introspection there. Like he sort of is the same at the beginning as yeah. He's at the end. He doesn't learn anything. He doesn't, which learn isn't anything. necessarily a bad thing, right? Um, I don't think it makes the character weaker, but I do. Well, think- we do have the contrast with the character who does learn things. Right. Yeah. So I think it's right. okay in that respect. Well, and, or, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, it's also, I thought, was helpful that he didn't change that much because he was sort of the hope and he was yeah. like sort of, he was what kept Claude going. Well, and he so, has yeah. that great, the, the moment where the movie turns for me mm-hmm. is Ray's Boom Boom Room. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It's a I, great sequence. Yeah, he knew what people like, needed, yeah. like to, to kind of bolster their morale. And, and I thought that was really, um, prescient like like it just it, it felt I don't know how do you know that that's exactly what people need how do you know that people are going to be on board with yeah. that when yeah. you're going through this whole like you know um, intricate sort of fantasy that yeah. you're selling and and it really helped everybody and then the, the line that like that really uh, hit it for me was when they were like you know when when Claude and Ray stopped speaking to one another like it just got Darker and yeah. the days got worse, and, and then like, you had that montage, the black and white montage, that yeah, comes right after it, where right. you see like the the world feels like it's going to shit, exactly, yeah. which parallels what they're that. going through. Yeah. And then there's also something interesting too about, and, and it sort of it piggybacks on what you guys are talking about with Ray's character, which is he he needs to constantly be trying to get out. Right. If he if if at any point he gives up the fight, I feel like he thinks he dies. He dies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for him, it's like he's always, and and that makes him a lively character, and it makes him a fun character to watch. But it also creates a situation where he doesn't grow very much either, right? Um, which I think is, you know, I, that that montage. <clears throat> I was think, just thinking about it works surprisingly well. Yeah, when it started, I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. somehow yeah. within a matter of seconds, I was like, oh fuck, this is working. Like the fade outs of the people, and even just that. The comedic. fade out to the people were, were really effective. I, th- I thought that was yeah. really well done. I forgot yeah. about that part of it until it I rewatched like, it. Shit. I was like, like, you really feel gut punched yeah. by it. They didn't. They had no. They, they had no hesitancy about literally killing 
every character in this movie before your before your eyes. Yeah. I mean, it's, aside from the one they actually biscuit who they actually killed. But yeah. That's another scene entirely we yeah. talk about. But those fade outs at the end were, were really, really impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a I really powerful a montage that at first I thought was going to be really maudlin and really on the nose. And just because the music cue and the black and white, and, the, mm-hmm. and you're just like, and then somehow within seconds it turns. I was like, fuck, this is working. <laughs> it's, it's just like, yeah. this really works. Talk to about the entire movie. The, fuck, this is working. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. (laughs) It takes a while to get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but and and I love too that they showed like as these characters were disappearing, they would show sort of happier moments, and then they would disappear. I thought that was a really cool choice versus showing them really down in the dumps and and you know because it's like what was extinguished wasn't just their lives, but it was like their happiness. It was like the light, whatever light they had left Mm -hmm. in them after being in prison for so long, that's what you saw disappear. And that's what I thought was like, that's fucking smart. Yeah, it was poignant stuff. I mean, I think also just, I mean, I don't don't love, I mean, the title life is just so vague, right? But then you also say to yourself, it actually speaks volumes, not just about like, it can be positive, it can be negative. and, And I think that this film bakes a lot underneath that sort of umbrella, mm-hmm. it's really quite interesting. I, you know, I, I I didn't, I just didn't expect the film to be this profound. Yeah. I just truly thought it was just going to be like a bickering, guys get old mm-hmm. movie. Right. It's and but much more than that. It really, I, I think, well, to, to cite one of Kenny's favorite movies of all time, Forrest Gump, uh, I think <laughs> that like, I think that it was kind of like the anti-Forrest Gump in that like, Forrest was able to oh, really? experience. Then I, then I hate this movie <laughs> now. <laughs> I said it's the no, anti-Forrest Gump. No, you should love it. I, <laughs> I was just pl- I was you're playing along. You, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My improv skills are not not uh, up to snuff. Yeah, yeah. But they uh, like Forrest found himself involved in all these massive events in in U.S. history versus these guys who were yeah. just watching it go by yeah. from a place that wasn't even home. It's not like they were in Rikers or so. I don't know if there was Rikers back then, but they weren't imprisoned in New York. No. They weren't even in their home state. Mm-hmm. So like they're in this alien land mm-hmm. uh, and just watching some of the most some of the biggest events in American history just kind of happen on television in a way that I, I it just it must have made them felt made them feel even more separate from humanity from society and it was you know that part of it was like it was heartbreaking you know well and to that point I would actually say that I I one of the things that I respect about the film too is that it actually does a a, a pretty good job of the passage of time without the the markers that like Forrest Gump has, where it's yeah. like hitting these big sort of like flares of American history yeah. along the way, so you feel the passage of time. They actually do it in a in a pretty nuanced way. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the title cards that obviously show you that, but like ultimately, I think they do a pretty good job of showing it through the way that people look. Um, it's pretty. It's. I mean, I even thought like the Nick Cassavetes uh, makeup friend was of the fantastic. pod, friend of the pod. Uh, <laughs> oh, friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, was really well done. His his it's cr- it's actually crazy how much he looks like the, the older the, version, the of, older version of himself. Yeah. Oh, they they they, they like foretold his it's, aging. I mean, he doesn't look <laughs> exactly way, sure. like that, but yeah. he looks a lot like that. It's and, remarkable, and it's and, impressive. And, yes, I also thought the way that their carriage changed once they yes. aged was yes. was really like yeah. awesome mm-hmm. to see. Like it, yeah. it, 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 I felt like that could have been cartoony, and it didn't really yeah, feel cartoony. I, it's one of those things where you know, as the as the makeup starts to become apparent, right? Mm-hmm. It's always tough. At least for me, anyway, and I imagine for audiences, when you know the per- you know they're wearing makeup because you know the person isn't that old, right? Sure. So there's the yeah. imme- and, you've, and you've been watching it all, and you've yeah. been watching it, yeah. Um, and this doesn't take anything away from Rick Baker's fantastic makeup; he does a great job. 
Um, but it, it's tough and it's hard to sort of, and, and that's why to your point, the way that they carry themselves, yeah. the way that they, they mm-hmm. move is just so vitally important. I would actually say again, that Martin does a better job in the older parts of it too, too. of, of feeling, feeling like, age. an old, yes, yeah, I agree you guys, did you I guys agree. notice that they, uh, that they dulled their teeth? Oh, did they? they no. Did really? Yeah. Cause they have pretty white so. smiles early in the movie. Uh, and okay. as you get on and on, they get Duller and uh-huh. duller and yellower and yellower. No, I didn't notice it's, that. It, 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 for whatever reason, that little detail helped a lot for me because sure. that's not the you know the, the plastic and rubber shit. Yeah. Um, but that's uh that's kind of one element. So, I do want to talk. Can we just? I just want to. I want to rewind just real quick to mm-hmm. just. So in '99, were there other movies that were okay. really sort of? Profound for you that really kind of hit yeah, you. I feel like the Matrix came out in '99, did, didn't it? I mean, it did. that that changed my entire sure. like movie going sure. experience. That was one of those things where I just kind of I, I I when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, wait, what? what <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah. I could not wait yeah. to see it. And yeah. like DVDs were new then, and so like when somebody got it on DVD, it was like the like yeah. the biggest thing ever. We'd all get around and smoke up and like <laughs> and watch this like movie that just Blue exploded brains. our brains apart, which yeah. was like. Yeah, I, I, that, I think that would be the the one for me that was that stood out the most. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. What were you gonna, you were gonna say? Something? I was gonna say something about this movie, yeah, and please. I it's uh, it's about race in this movie. Mm-hmm. And going into the movie, I didn't expect more white people in it. I expect. So, so I was brutally <laughs> really, disappointed. Real bummer. That dude. This is a segregated prison in the South. <laughs> right. I'm like, where are the white guys? Yeah. Um, <laughs> who can I relate to I, in this movie? <laughs> so. Um, what I was going to say was going to this movie, I expected virtually no commentary on race, mm. right? Virtually no commentary on race because of the lead actors and the fact that this was a big studio movie, as Phil will say very soon, it was made for $80 million. $80 million in 99. So what's that, like 120 today? Yeah. That's I a- think people are a little afraid, especially when you're spending that kind of money with these kind of movie stars of making any kind of racial comment. Sure. Mm-hmm. Having seen the movie and seeing what they were going for, feels like they didn't go nearly far enough. I agree with that. I think, but I, I like what they did do, like with the with that family who I guess owned the prison or with the the supervisor. Yeah, it, yeah. Ned Beatty's family. Yeah, Ned Beatty's family. Like I thought that was, you know, you got what they were trying to say. But I, I mean, the whole thing was based on race. Like they they yeah. ups, you know, the cop like yeah, that whole thing killed the guy right. and. and, and was it uh, Winston? Winston yeah, the, yeah, the cop killed Winston and framed two black guys. Like that's the oldest story in the American justice playbook. And it, and it, yeah. it, 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 the reason that this movie hit me so hard is because like my biggest fear in life is being like in prison for a crime I didn't commit. Like yeah. that, this it was triggering in that regard. I was like, I, I was like just tense the entire time because you're like you just your entire life gets thrown away. Uh, because of somebody else's bigotry or, or prejudice or whatever, yeah, like sure. it's and and with and consequence free. I mean, he, consequence in the end, he caught. But like that was that's not usually how that goes. Yeah. Like it yeah. usually yeah. just ends up kind of being, you know, you just you're just throwing away American citizens, like people who could be potential taxpayers and like people who could be inventing the next cure for whatever or like you know I, I don't know, like the potential that is lost by. Mass incarceration to me is. I'm sorry to get all political. You but should. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, please. like that. I think this illustrated that to a really high degree, and and with a lot of maturity, and I think a lot of um, realism. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh, so I feel like the racial 
comment like because it most of this uh, because most of the story took place with just the black characters there wasn't a lot of room for a lot of racial stuff but again again since it was built on a foundation of this they're in here because of racial politics that's I think it, it was pervasive throughout as like an undercurrent. That's, I mean, that's that's obviously a, a great point. I guess all I felt was, and everything you said, obviously, you know, you know better than I do, and I I understand and agree with. I felt like their conditions were too good. I was I was gonna say that at, at a certain point, it felt like some sort of a retreat. Like in the woods, kind of thing. It just, it just felt like they're. I'm, 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 I'm like not summer, saying, summer camp with no, jumpsuits. I, 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 well, I, I, don't I don't mean, mean to. I don't, I don't mean, mean to make it seem as. But I, I wasn't mean, trying to be glib. I just, it, it didn't. I didn't feel the the prison elements as much as I thought we could have. I felt like obviously they're, you know, their their liberty were taken. Their liberty was were, their liberties were taken from them, mm-hmm. right? Their lives mm-hmm. literally were taken from them. So I don't necessarily mean like the conditions were good versus other prisons. They felt to me the same as other prisons. Whereas my assumption is a all black segregated prison in the South and Mississippi in the forties, fifties and sixties was a lot more brutal than that. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, I, that was like, I like said just it poorly, but brutal, I, yeah. brutal, brutal. I see what you're Whereas, saying. Whereas like Casavetti's played more or less a sympathetic character, right? Like he, mm, I mean, I, I wouldn't say sympathetic. As far as, a, as far as a, Yes. I, I, oh, I, no, no, okay. oh, no. I don't mean sympathetic to no, 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 I no, sympathize no, no, no. with <laughs> sympathetic that he was this is so That's a character that hit Kenny the hardest. Yeah. So well, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But no, sympathetic to them. Right? Yes. Yeah, he yeah, wasn't yeah. out there beating or shooting or right. cheating for the most part. Right. All you had to do to get a conjugal visit was give him six. Was give him a couple bucks. Yeah. So he was he seemed a little more significantly more understanding than any prison warden I've ever seen in a movie. And I don't think that character would be like that. I On top agree. of that, Ned Beatty's character was was definitely played out to be a very upstanding guy, right? Who really did have the the. On one hand, he wanted to rehabilitate the prisoners, and on on the other hand, he was susceptible to. Um, listening to their point of view at the end of the movie and believing them, yeah. and literally saving you know, literally white saviouring the movie at the end, but um, but that's all I mean is, and and just to finish this point, the reason I think the movie can get away with that is because your expectations going in are Martin and Eddie are going to be funny. Right. I think too much more of the brutality that you're talking about would have tonally not been what this movie like i in fact yeah okay having worked in in entertainment as long as we have i feel i imagine that it was like that stuff was there but it got noted out you yeah know what i mean so like too. i think they probably got enough notes they were like guys it's already heavy enough they're in prison we're seeing them doing the work they're you know whatever but we don't need to you know do like uh kind of like slavery porn like we don't need to just beat the shit it's out of them like 12 and years every slave. other scene it's, yeah it's, like weirdly 12 years a slave is a is a thematic comp to this movie thematically yes yeah, yeah and i do think that which is amazing well i have a cra- i mean i have a, <laughs> I mean, a crazy yeah. point I, I was i was i felt like while watching this movie was if you tonally move this knob five to ten degrees in one direction mm-hmm. this is an oscar movie yeah that's kind of a crazy thing about this movie to me. Like it's so, and and it's a very good movie as is. And to pull this off in the studio system for that kind of money, uh, and to accomplish all the goals that I think it did accomplish, mm-hmm. I think it's a kind of a remarkable feat. But it's so close to actually being an Oscar movie. Yeah, 
I, I mean, agree. it is. And it's, and it's, I'm trying to think of like how they thought this movie, it's kind of in its, in a lane that I don't know that it could have been successful, like really, really successful because it's, it's not, it's not the Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence romp, right? Like it's not as funny as I thought it was going to be. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's it has lightness to it, to your point. But then you're just like, I, 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 it's weird. It lives in a weird space, it, it, and not in does. a bad way. Right, I don't right. mean that to say no. It's I'm it's just, it's complicated in a way that it's that movies should be more complicated, They're especially like we studio were, movies. Especially studio, yeah, like we were yeah. saying, like now yeah. they're so simplified that it's like yeah. you can't you can get away with a whole lot of nuance. But I felt like having you know. I, what I can like, I laughed out loud a bunch of times during the movie. So like, yeah, they sure had right. a lot of really yep. good comedic moments, and to balance that out with like all the pathos and all the, like the social commentary, yep. I thought was artful. I thought it was really ex- like well executed. And you're right, like that's difficult to do. And you're and it, it, you're right, it shouldn't. It, there's kind of no way for it to be massively successful because. People are confused. Like they don't it, like it's like walking and chewing gum at the same time, which a lot of folks it, it are. does. And it, it, I mean, I think I think first of all, it should be said. I'm just I'm kind of, I want to look up Ted Demi's um, filmography here because it's worth sort of going down that road a little bit. I yeah. agree. I was actually going to go in that direction right now. So too. his first movie is The Ref, which I like, is which is the Dennis Leary, Leary yeah. um, Kevin Spacey, uh, Judy Davis movie. Yeah, I think. Uh, kind of. Uh, it was kind of both of their first big movie, Dennis yes. Leary and yes. Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was a big movie. Like yeah. I remember people talking about that yeah. film. They does Beautiful Girls, which I quite like. Have not watched it since probably I watched 95, it so I don't pro- know. I think two years ago for the first time. Okay. Yeah, I thought it I thought it was really good. Like I I mean I definitely Great cast. Yeah, great cast. Yeah. And I, I I remember being a little light on plot, but like yeah. really good on character and yeah. really good. Natalie Portman, I remember being fantastic. I, in that. I that would be if we did Podcast like it's nineteen ninety six. That that movie in and of itself is worth is worth a far, a far bigger, greater dissection than we're able to give it right now, because um, that movie's capital B, capital P problematic. It yeah. was capital P problematic then, even. Yep. And in, in, as far as like uh, the Timothy Hutt and Natalie Portman relationship. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Super, um, super creepy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> but she's very good in the movie. Against the despite law. Despite the fact that she's playing a role that it's a, is Lolita esque in its own it's weird a way. It's super weird. It's a very, it would be a very hard thing to talk about these days. And then you also can bake in this idea that that was a Harvey Weinstein Yo. passion project. Uh, that is one of the movies. That Who wrote beautiful girls. Uh, Scott something. Scott. He, he's a he's a pretty successful. Scott writer. Rosenberg. Yeah, Scott sure, Rosenberg. Sure, is pretty sure. successful. And that this is what made him. Yeah, he did and a lot. He it's did, about he, his. He life. did your favorite movie. That's my favorite. Connor. Movie. I love Connor. Yeah. He. Uh, <laughs> he's an amazing. Connor he's an amazing writer. Forrest Gump. I'm getting such an interesting <laughs> this, glimpse yeah. into Kenny's Kenny roles. <laughs> God, well, I actually love Connor. That's that's true. I know. That's yeah, what I'm saying. But I don't. That's what I mean. I know. How like these are. But okay, never mind. Let's not go astray. The beautiful. The beautiful. Girls girls, thing is, yeah. Scott Rosenberg did what we all try to do when we first came out, which mm-hmm. is write that movie about yeah. our hometown and about what goes on in our lives sure. and in our heads. And you wrote a TV series about it, October Road. October Road, that's yeah. right. And um, that's about like literally Scott Rosenberg being famous going back for writing yep. Beautiful Girls and going home and dealing yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, oh, I never saw that. Yeah. Oh, there's- I actually don't hate. I, I saw the pilot. I don't. I didn't hate. The, I saw it back then. So I, when I don't was this? Know, he had an issue with mm-hmm. a writer on Entourage. I don't want to. Oh, oh the yeah. Right. We'll say off the mic, we'll, off we'll, the have, mic. we'll have to, uh, uh, yeah, there, have to there's download a story, There's a story there about October Red. Okay. But 
the October point, I'm just trying, the, yeah, the, 2007. Yeah, the only the only real point I'm making is I've watched that movie fairly recently too, and I, I don't I, I don't think it holds up. Um, and I, I think it's it. kind of I think it's kind of this weird time capsule of a, a time when you could make a movie like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, would, I don't know. I, I, I actually, I hope there's an opportunity to talk more about it going forward. But, but um, so he does that. Then he does two episodes of Homicide Life on the Street, which I think is interesting. Sure, beautiful girls to Homicide Life on the Street. Yeah. in one move. Uh, then he does uh, Monument Avenue, which is a, a movie. It's a I Dennis Leary movie. Okay, uh, and then he does Life. He has the pilot of action. Do you remember the the uh, no great movie, great show? Uh, what's his Jay name? Moore. Jay Moore, where he plays a agent. Yeah. Oh, it's I, a wacky. I, I thought it was called the pilot of action. You no. mean the action show the pilot for the pilot. television yes, show? Yes, I action. loved action. I thought that was such <laughs> yeah. a dope show. Yeah. I think that was Victor Fresco, right? I yes. think it's like it's a yes. super crazy kind of yeah. take. Yeah, yeah. It was, I thought that was really good. Pre entourage, and yeah. then he does uh, blow. Which I thought was awesome. Which I, I have not seen since it came out, but I remember thinking it was pretty dope at the time. Yeah. It just had a really great vibe to it, and again, a great cast. Paul Rubens was great in that movie. Yeah, he was really great yeah. in that movie. I I, I yeah. bought I fell asleep on it in the theater only because it was college and I you know had been out late the night before. <laughs> and Did, I didn't sure. do enough blow. I yeah. didn't do enough blow exactly, yeah. and I saw I was I, I was bought in a date auction, so I was there with my lady date. Oh, <laughs> so, so, well, so went well for I her. I was double not <laughs> into it for that reason, and so. So yeah, it was a remarkable experience. But I went back and watched it again, and I, yeah. I you know, Sans Lady, and it was wonderful. Yeah, it's yeah. a song, and then he does a great documentary called "Decade and Under the Influence," which was a, a great IFC documentary about mm. all the films that came out, I believe, in the sixties and seventies, seventies. So that all of the American cinema, yeah, in the, 70s, the uh, just a tremendous Raging documentary. Balls, ED, yeah. Easy Riders, it's yeah. a great documentary, and then he unfortunately passed away. Yeah, but he and he also, I feel like, directed a, like Yo MTV Raps for years. He did. Didn't he? he did. He like, came he, up like, doing started that. that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like that was a big. He did the push it video. He did. He did. Shut your mouth. Yeah, it was kind of his first big thing. Wow. Yeah. All right. But here's the thing. Anyway. Having been through this filmography now, I think we can all safely say, kind of an odd choice for this film. I think he did a very good job. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not sure he's on the list of directors that at the time I would have been like, we should give this to Ted Demi. I also think it's his best movie. I've, I've seen I, most of those that movies. Might, I that think might it's be his true. Best movie. I have I've not seen, I've seen half of those movies. And it's the, I yeah. think it's the best of the ones I've seen yeah. for sure. I think it's better than Blow, which I previously would have thought was his best movie. So. I, I again haven't seen Blow since I saw it back in the day, but I I enjoyed it at the time. I mean, listen, it certainly feels like a pastiche of a whole bunch of crime drug movies that we've seen yeah. before. Yeah, but it's a great cast. It's well shot. It had a cool vibe. I don't know if it holds up. I will say though, this feels the, like the most substantive movie he ever made. Yeah, absolutely. It touches on because within the the whole prison sort of system, yeah. it brings up a lot of interesting points, and it talks uh, stuff that we, a little thing we saw in uh, Shawshank about like institutionalization and like how yeah. you know like when when. It, like he yep. couldn't fathom the idea of living outside of these wall, not walls, but I guess gun lines. Gun lines. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think a lot of that had to do with sexuality too, like getting back out into the world in the 40s or 50s. I don't remember where it was at that point in the story. But like that was, uh, I'm going to put an asterisk on that real quick. I'll come back to it in a second. But just the um, the the way that prison breaks you down as a person is, it's like fucked up. Like it's really deplorable. And the way, like I, the whole time I was thinking like, you could be like rehabilitating people. You can be teaching folks a trade. Yeah. I thought that's what prisons used to be back then. I thought it was like, hey, we're going to, you know, press license plates or you'll learn how to pipe fit or you'll yeah. learn how to do whatever the fuck. Like something that is a marketable skill that once you get out, 
you'll be able to not rely upon whatever got you in there in the first place to to sustain yourself, support yourself. So like just w- having them swing pickaxes and shit, like that's slave labor, which if you oh, watch, yeah. if you watch like uh 13th, the, the Ava uh, DuVernay uh, yeah. documentary on Netflix or was it 13th or 14th? 14th. I sorry. think it was the 13th. 13th. Sorry. And then uh, like, like that, system is so like insidious like it, the fact that you would just kind of oh let's just grab as many fucking black people off the street as we can and make them do work for free like and yeah that's, charge them with crimes they didn't charge commit. with crimes they didn't commit to get them legally to yeah. be able to do free work to be slaves like, and literally i mean the, the idea that ned Beatty's character is supposed to be sympathetic in the other way sympathetic in that we're supposed to sympathize with his character mm-hmm. And he employs two of these prisoners as slaves in his home. Yeah, the, the house slave and the field slave. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally like, like that first shot when he's bringing him, when and Claude's bringing him the lemonade and, yeah. and Ray's clipping the hedges. I was like, oh. I was just, I just think, how could, yeah. how could he yeah. live with himself using literal, because it is at that point literal slave labor, because I, I use the word employ and in in use. He doesn't actually employ them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that is a really, it's a fucked up thing that this, that this movie doesn't really shine a light on so much, but it's there. You have them swinging pickaxes in their black and whites on the side of the street. And there's that other line that the guy says, the uh, the sergeant, the sheriff says before he shot. Yes. Which is at, we, least, at, least, the state of 40, 40, yeah, at least the state of Mississippi got 40 years of cheap labor. That was, I mean, yep. that was kind of the theme of the movie, the movie. I felt like. Yeah. And and it was, and thank God Ned Beatty shot that motherfucker yeah. because like that's, that ideology has to die. Like yeah. th- that ideology that certain people are expendable and that you, you can use them for labor, use them for whatever and, and, and basically take their lives away from them is, it's just not something that should happen in America. And it's something that's still happening in America, oh especially God. since it's privatization of prisons. It's like, it's worse than ever. So like, yeah, making them a business and incentivizing people, uh, incentivizing corporations that own these prisons to like lobby judges to be more tough and have longer sentences and mandatory minimums and shit like that. It is like, it, it it's the most intricate system of of just trying to uh, disenfranchise people. Basically, like that's it's 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 I don't know. Well, I mean, they, other than I, that, I have no thoughts on the subject. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this though. I mean. As much as I agree with you, Kenny, that I do wish that the film went farther, I will say that the fact that we can talk about this, that it, that these things exist in this film, yeah. is a testament to everyone involved in this movie, that they wanted to say something, and yeah. that they wanted this film to actually have a message. And, that, and I'm not saying you're saying it's not. Yeah, no, but I, you know my I mean. sense is, after this quick conversation we've had, because we haven't talked a lot yet, is that I'm wrong. Is that, I, <laughs> is that, I, is that my, my instincts were wrong, that, that I, this, that, that, I don't know if it's they were a, wrong. It's a different movie. And weirdly, like, it's not like this was a successful movie. It's not like anyone talks about this movie. So maybe this movie didn't succeed in the way that 12 Years a Slave obviously did. Because yeah. the movie's going to live forever. Yeah. But um, maybe I do think that this does have weird Ed, P- Ed TV potential for me. And that, like, this is a movie. Another Universal movie. People. <laughs> I <laughs> imagine. Universal. Yes. I know. Another wow. one. Yeah. Good call. Uh, this is a. Well, look, obviously they were doing some shit that year that were, that the people weren't understanding. I agree. But this movie deserves another hearing. I agree. I agree. Um, I agree 100%. In a way, and I don't know if it'll ever get it because I even mean, like doing yeah. this podcast, this was one of those movies where I'm like, oh, we have to do fucking life. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Sorry, Kenny. I, I felt the same way. And just because I know nothing, it, it was a movie that basically didn't exist. And what existed yeah. in my head was obviously not the movie that it actually yeah. is. Yeah. So to your point, 
I thought this it movie was a, can get another another hearing, get people to watch. I thought it, it was a gay baiting prison movie. That's what I thought it was. A gay baiting prison. Movie? I thought that it was going to be gay jokes, right? Oh, okay. I it does it have was, a gay element though. But it's oh, but it's but it's not what I. Done. That was it's my asterisk. That was the asterisk. I thought the the portrayal of those two gay characters was so nuanced and interesting, yeah. and the way and the way yeah. that like no one they weren't othered, like they no. weren't separate from everybody else. They were part of the crew. Like you saw Eddie, like I. I can't imagine a how progressive someone would have to be in the fifties in prison oh to be God. like, "Hey, don't be upset because your boyfriend's dancing with that girl." Yeah. I mean, that was that was just what your brother, your bro, would say to you to like, you know, you know, yeah. to keep you keep you boosted. Like, it's it's yeah. a. I thought that was a really mature and and just something that I you know shocking. It was me. super shocking. It was really yeah. surprising. Movies we love, yeah, including Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Don't handle homosexuality with this level. Well, Shawshank uh, certainly does. With this, no. with, 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 with this level of <laughs> yeah, with this level of understanding and a light yeah. touch. And I, yeah, what, what I basically meant is, I thought this was going to be a "Don't Drop the Soap" movie. I, I was and, and sure of it. I was sure of it. I was like, "There's no way that these guys are making a prison right. movie without having it be a don't drop the soap situation." And right. they, they had that one moment of it, like right as as uh, Ray and and Claude are being brought in, and the the uh, the not, not lieutenant, but the guy with the shot, the black dude with the shotgun, was the, like the handsome guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was like, what did he say? He was like, "Oh yeah, there you got some fresh meat for you, and you know, d- you know, we're gonna get to know why they." Jangle before, like they they did those jokes like as sort of cheap throwaways that I think that would appease people who were looking for that in a positive way. Um, but for people who were like you guys were like, oh, I hope they don't do that bullshit. They really delivered in a way that I I, wasn't common in that in that period of time, especially yeah. like and Bernie Mac playing the gay character was that was pretty big. Like he didn't, I don't think he ever did again. And he because he, yeah. he was such it his was persona big. was yeah. such a macho. It was just it, it. It kind of blindsided me a little bit. Like yeah. I didn't catch a lot of the nuances. I probably didn't catch, quite frankly, their relationship until too late. And by that, I mean I probably should have caught on to it sooner. Mm-hmm. I obviously noticed there was some sort of a dynamic going on. They but don't, when they were at the table, yeah. I mean, it was it was a it was maybe not the most deft uh, way to way to put it out there because initially you have Bernie Mac hitting on Martin Lawrence, mm-hmm. and pretty much the next yeah. scene. You have Bernie Mac, and I, the actor's name is Miguel Perez. I yeah, think. Miguel Nunez. I think. Miguel Nunez um, at the table together, and they're a couple. Yeah. Like yeah. at that point, yeah. you know they're a couple, so right. it's kind of a weird. Yeah. It's kind of a weird uh, juxtaposition, but they never kind of. Well, I, I think just, that was, okay. no, no, please, I, I think that was sort of a theme with their relationship, which was like a little mini arc. Is that like Bernie had the out. wandering yeah. eye, like he whether right. it's a dude or a chick, like he was, he yeah. just wanted. To get laid, it felt like. And he was like, there's one other dude in here that's down with that, and that's going to be my guy. But as soon as, you know, something else comes by. Can we talk about Bernie? Yeah, I, I and yes. I just, I, I, I do think it's interesting that, that we don't really get, a, I don't want to say a payoff, but we don't get a moment with Bernie processing the death of Biscuit, which I kind of would have liked. Like, we see him walk yeah. into his body, yeah. and then they kind of just cut out of it. So I, I, I will say, I, I do think that they kind of left yeah. money on the table there, just in terms of, like, really kind of sticking the landing of it. But I still really liked it. I, I agree. Just, I think that's probably another thing that was shot and then cut out for time. Because it was probably. a longer—I mean, it was two hours. It was two hours, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think they—I I imagine there were moments like that. This is what I like to think. <laughs> I like to think that they, like, completed these little—they like, yeah. stuck the landing, and then yeah. it just was like, well, guys, we got to cut something. Yeah. Well, I think— I. I We'll talk about Bernie in just one second. I just 
or let's talk about Bernie, and then we'll talk about what I was going to talk. All about. I wanted to say, I mean, I do yeah. want to talk about him. Yeah, I, I do want to like make the point of like, what a talent. Yeah, what what a so role. slept on. Yeah. yeah, like he. It's a. It's almost a shame that he became so big and famous and popular. For for his stand up persona, yeah. mm-hmm. that they never used him in, in roles right. like this ever again. I know because he can do it, and he's yeah. so good, and he's so confident. Like he's the yeah. con- he's the most con- he could have been such a big important actor. I agree, hundred percent. Instead of just Bernie Mac and everything, which like Bernie Mac in and of himself was awesome. Yeah, but we saw him in like six different fucking roles doing the same thing. Yeah. I, in Oceans, I thought he stretched a little bit in a good way. Like I know bit, he was yeah. he was still had the Bernie vibe, but he was I thought he was doing something. Different, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. it was, it was a. I don't know. I, I love seeing him. I agree with you. Like he's I so think, good in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I, and I think he would have gone on, like you said, to do. Yeah. You know, he'd have been an Oscar guy. I think he could have been. I absolutely think he could have been. Yeah, and I mean, this movie does Eddie shows, was right. Yeah, this movie does show that he had real range. Yep. That yep. that unfortunately was not really um, people didn't really run with. I uh, think you could have seen. You know, it's a it's a really fucking weird comparison, but it's the comparison in my head right now. Uh Mary Tyler Moore and Ordinary People. Okay. Never sure. in a million years yeah. did you think Mary Tyler Moore could have done that. I think you could have found uh, almost Bernie Mac's Denzel and Training Day role, where you sure. where you could have turned around and he could have fucking scared the shit out of you a lot like Mary Tyler Moore did in or- yeah. Ordinary People. I absolutely agree. Especially because the guy was a TV dad for so long. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been so It would have cool. been, yeah, I agree. No, Kenny's been, using the, the classic Mary Tyler Moore, Bernie Mac comparison. That's why you come to this podcast. It's a podcast. trope for a reason. I, I, I thought we were going to elevate this a little bit, but if you want to just low-hanging classic. fruit. Classic <laughs> Nybar. Classic Nybar, just fucking leaning on the class, playing the hits. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I wanted to talk about uh, before the Bernie thing, but it is the editing a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I did feel like, and this again speaks to when I think the movie really hits its groove once they do go away. I felt like the editing was really weird in that first like 20 minutes or so. There was just some, like there was some continuity problems and there was just oh. like, again, I don't mean to be nitpicky. No, but, no, no. But I think that that's worth mentioning. It, the only reason I bring it up is because it feels like, to your point about, there's probably a two and a half hour movie, right? That they that they screened at some point. Right. And they were like, this, this is too long. It's just too long, yeah. So they start truncating and cut. Like they even did like, they did like a weird like whip, uh, not like a whip hand, like a, um, a transition where the, where the image like flips on itself at one point. Like they did all these like weird kind of transitions in that first half hour. Um, and again, maybe it was an energy thing. Maybe they're just trying to sort of keep people hooked. I don't know. But there's just some choices in that first half hour before they go away that just felt kind of jarring on a certain level. Yeah, I, I imagine that it was a tonal choice I where imagine. it's like you want it because it gets so simple and li- in the yeah. prison and life is so simple yeah. and it's so monotonous in one note. Like they wanted to make the outside world look sure. more exciting and vibrant. Sure. And yeah, which which I, I and listen, I'm 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 not saying that any of it doesn't work necessarily. It was just something that once the movie gets to prison and they embrace mm-hmm. what the movie is, it's just so much stronger for it. Whereas I think in that beginning, it's just sort of, it's a little strange. 
But it does seem a little bit like PG Harlem Nights. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Although this movie's rated R, it, it's this rated movie's R, yeah. very R, yeah. and they could have done whatever oh, they wanted. Yeah. And there was a shout out to Harlem Nights if you caught yes. that. With mm-hmm. a, a bitch, you, a bitch like Della hits better. Oh, a bitch yeah. named Della hits better than <laughs> harder than you. Yeah. I was like, oh. That's nice because that's one of my like I, I go back and watch that scene in Harlem Nights like I think I watched it a month ago just oh, really? I, was, I was like I need a laugh and I want to I want to hear her say now you're gonna shoot me in my pinky toe and like, I, that, that, there's there, there are a few scenes in in, in sure. uh, cinematic history that I will go back and revisit from time to time another is the opening scene of Kill Bill where it's uh, Vivica Fox sure. and uh, and Uma Uma fighting in yeah. the house in, in Pasadena yeah, in the like kitchen, in the so kitchen good. like like there are just certain scenes that when I'm Having a shitty day, like I'll I'll pick up had Harlem Nights. Great, it's a great team. Yeah. We are gonna at the end do our top five Eddie Murphy films. Ooh, yes. So Which I did tell we, you about. Did you do it? Uh, no, but I can. Yeah. You think you can you can do it on the fly? Yeah, I absolutely can do Very it on cool. the fly. Um, I don't know how satisfying mine are gonna be, uh, <laughs> just because I I have not seen as many Eddie Murphy films as I would have liked. Okay, so there's some holes in my viewing of Eddie's movies, but I will do this list nonetheless. Uh, so we should do some context. I'm going to do it right now. Uh, you want to say you want to say how long it's been in the pod? Forty six minutes in. Forty six minutes in the pod. Here's the synopsis. It's about it's about average. <laughs> it's about average. <laughs> oh, that's right. I guess it would help to give some context. Yeah. About what, what movie we should we're do these. About. We really should do these sooner. <laughs> I love doing the forty five minute preamble. Weed weed out all the all the bandwagon jumpers. Yeah, exactly. So many right? of those the on fake this podcast. <laughs> Jesus, we're here for the, the Johnny real. Come Later. Um, Johnny Come Later. <laughs> <laughs> So, the synopsis of this film. Uh, during Prohibition, loudmouth Harlem grifter Ray, played by Eddie Murphy, and the no-nonsense Claude, played by Martin Lawrence, team up on a bootlegging mission to Mississippi that could bring them big bucks. But they run into trouble when a crooked lawman hits them with a phony murder charge. Ray and Claude are given life sentences and shipped off to jail where they must think of a way to prove their innocence and avoid the brutal guards while battling their biggest enemies, their opposing personalities. Uh, life opened on April 16th, 1999, in first place with $20 million and would go on to make $73 million on an $80 million budget. I was to say that $20 million opening weekend covered craft service? Or? Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> was, that was considered though. a big number. That's a big That was number. a big number back then? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's a big opening. And in fact, that opening is solely on the way that this film was marketed. Eddie, Martin, go see this movie. And then so I it must have been bad word of mouth. Or it, like confusing it word. Yeah. In the second week. I, uh, I came across an article in LA Times that came out that week, the box office wrap-up, mm-hmm. that declared yeah. this movie a hit. After oh, the twenty million. Great. So twenty right. million was really because yeah. it didn't used to be. Like, this is a pretty common multiple now. This like less than four multiples yeah. used to be much greater than that. Much greater. Yeah. You know, five, six, seven times multiple. So that this really was a probably a bad word word of mouth. But I'm guessing it's a lot of people who were like, this was for like thinking people. When I, I, I just think, wanted, yeah, like, I think a, I just want to go there and laugh, laugh at Martin and, yeah. and Eddie, and, and they it, just wanted big laughs because and I think it, people left the film being like, "It's not that funny." And you're like, "Right, okay." And it was Bernie Mac too. I mean, it was Bar- yeah. Martin, Eddie, yeah. Bernie, Bernie yep. like these were these were huge comic names, big, big names. Yeah. Uh, so it has fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. Uh, it is Eddie Murphy's last rated R movie. Mm-hmm. Really? Which is interesting. Oh. <laughs> I mean, oh! Doesn't that speak volumes <laughs> yes, about Eddie's career? Absolutely. Post life. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's interesting to sort of see how he, I mean, I don't know that he, let me hold up, because I know that he might have done a rated R movie relatively recently. Was that one where he played basically, it was like, 
Driving Miss Daisy or something. Yeah, Mr. Was that, Church. Yeah, I saw that. That might have been rated R. I don't know. I, I judged a book by its cover, and I was like, nope, not pass. for yeah. me. You should never do that with an Eddie, Mo- Eddie Murphy I, movie. If, if we've learned anything now from this podcast know. today, that's, right. that's really what we should— You know what? I actually think Tower Heist was rated R. Was it? What was Tower Heist? Do you remember Tower Heist? The oh, Brent, Tower Heist. Yeah, Tower yeah, yeah, that's right. It was rated R. You're right. Yeah. I never I that saw was that. His, I think that because that, that was touted as like— he, his first rated R movie since blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty sure it was. That was supposed to, to be a big movie. I, I did see that in the theaters and remember almost none of it. Um, oh, you saw well, it that's a theaters? good sign. Yeah, I did. I, well, I love a heist movie. Um, I love a tower movie. <laughs> and then these oh, two so came this together. is right up your alley, yeah. yeah who was it? It was uh, Eddie Everyone. Ben Gabby Stiller. Gabby yeah. yeah. Casey Affleck, Alan yeah. Alda, Matthew Broderick, Judd Hirsch, Taylor. I mean, this was this was supposed to be an Ocean's Eleven type yes. deal. And it wasn't. <laughs> no. uh, it's PG-13. I'm wrong. So. Oh. I don't know that I don't know that he did an R-rated movie since life. Well, we should uh, uh anyway, sorry. Should, should we just I mean, we're going to do this on the Bowfinger podcast too, obviously, cuz Bowfinger <sighs> was a 99 Bowfinger uh, movie is, as well. Uh, spoiler alert, I think it's my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. I haven't seen it. Oh, wow. I know. I, list. I know I want to not gonna make It's the not going to make my list, but I I've I heard I've heard it's so funny and I just did it came out at the same time as the Warren it. Beatty one with Halle Berry. Uh, that was right? A couple years before, I think it's nothing like that. It's nothing, but I, f- I don't but know why they're Bullworth. they're matched. Bullworth Bullworth. Bullworth. Yes, Bullworth. yeah, I think yeah. they were like matched together in my I brain like for Bullworth. some reason. Is that am I am I terrible for saying I, that? I, I like watched Bullworth? it back in the day and enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I haven't sure watched it in a while. Space. I saw that in the last uh, year. Does it hold it up? Holds. You have to just get past the concept. You have to get past this concept of Warren Beatty rapping. Yeah. And really doing this like over the top. It's not a, it's not so much like an over the top black caricature. It's an over the top caricature of a really out of touch white guy yes. who's trying to get in touch with black culture, I think. But the content of the movie That's great. is very present. Well, I okay. well, very present, but I would also say too, and again, I have not seen the whole movie recently, but I have caught bits and pieces of it on HBO or whatever it's mm-hmm. been on. Um just and and I've thought to myself, huh, I should rewatch this. Um it's a bold fucking movie. Like that you you, you it is. It's one of those it's one of those It's one of those yeah, movies where I'm like one of those big swings. It's a huge swing and it's I mean I think we could probably say it's the last swing that Warren Beatty's probably going to make cuz the last film he made was apparently unwatchable. I didn't see Rules Don't Apply. The Howard Hughes movie that came out I think last year. Oh, my oh God. that's right. Yeah. Well, they that was not which he had been trying well to make enough. for 20 or 30 years. Really? It was a passion project. But all that being said, Bullworth is a movie that I, I saw it in the theater. I remember '98. I think, I think it was '98, and obviously a huge song, uh, Ghetto Superstar. Super yes, Star, that's big, right. Big song, big mm-hmm. soundtrack. Uh, and I remember seeing the film and just being like, "This movie's like legit." It had great critical reviews at the time. Yeah, uh, I know that Sorkin did a pass on it. Oh, um, wow. so I should rewatch it. Another Syracuse alum. It's by a the way. weird. It's a weird there movie. Um, <laughs> but I want to run through Eddie. Yeah, up yeah, to yeah. Uh, sure. up to life because I made a joke to Phil before this movie that like Eddie was was golden no pun intended up I see to what you did there. Um, thank you <laughs> Phil did is that not a it. golden child that's right yeah. <laughs> uh, up, well that's no it, there was there was no pun intended it was there. a golden know, reference period <laughs> up until life but now I, I think yeah, actually it goes yeah. it goes beyond but basically all right this was Eddie's career. It's crazy. Eddie is on <laughs> Eddie is on Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. starting in 1980. For one year, right? Yeah. For one season, I believe. Uh actually it was 84. So he did this weird. So okay. <laughs> in 80, I guess he probably has Raw was probably before all this, his stand-up 
No uh, way. Delirious. Delirious. Sure. Maybe Delirious. I think Raw was, was not like eighty seven. All right. So Raw Delirious. Was so Delirious was before this. I think. So De- I was getting confused. So Delirious was before them, and then his first movie is Forty Eight Hours. Yes. Which is a, movie a hit. I've never seen. Huge and hit. Many people consider it to be one of the great movies of all time, and also the movie that figured out the buddy comedy, the buddy cop comedy, and the mixed race buddy cop comedy mm-hmm. that better Lethal than Lethal Weapon. weapon. Then I was about to. S- no, I'm not saying better, but it was, it was five years earlier. Okay. So it was five years before that. So it kind of set the template for so many movies of the 80s and 90s. It's a little more, yeah, yes. I, I will say that it's a much grittier movie. Yes, for sure. Than for sure. the buddy cop yeah. movies that would come out subsequently. Yeah. But that being said, uh, it doesn't. Trading Places. Hilarious movie. Shortly followed that. Mm-hmm. Movie called Best Defense I've never heard of. Let's pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop, The Golden Child, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Coming to America, Harlem Nights, Another 48 Hours, Boomerang, Distinguished Gentleman. Then it kind of falls on a little bit with Beverly Hills Cop 3, Oof. but that was a big, uh, it was obviously a big play, probably got played $20, $20 million for it. Wait, when does Vampire in Brooklyn come in? That's after that. That's the next movie. Let's yes. pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> I kind of, I don't know. I haven't seen Vampire in Brooklyn since I was a kid. As a kid, did you enjoy it? As a kid, I was sort of like into the look of it. Like I, I dug like the makeup. I dug the like what it was trying to do. I don't imagine it's a good movie. I'm not suggesting that it yeah, is a good movie. I wasn't but it was a like fan. that was the first was this the first time he played multiple roles? No, he did it in Coming to America. Yes. Okay. Which I have to admit, I have not seen Coming to America. Oh, do yourself it, a favor. It's it's a big yes, I know. Here's but can I I wanna I wanna just get in front of movie. this because <laughs> A subsequent podcast or one that we're about to record later today, I will also have a big gaping hole in my my oh, history. Yes. You, um, you've already admitted to me, which, which I admitted. Very bold. Um, <laughs> here's what I <laughs> want to say out. though. Working at I worked at four different, three or four different video stores throughout my uh, adolescence and then into film school. He's a 12 year old yeah. working at a Canadian, Canadian labor laws. They're different. Anyway, um, the, the Kevin Smith <laughs> career model. But the reason I bring that up is because when you work at a video store, people are putting movies on all the time. And so you see these movies, but you don't see these movies. Right. So you're like, seeing them I've in between seen Coming to America, yeah. but I haven't seen Coming right. to America. It's, and so it does a disservice to films that have fallen through the cracks. And unfortunately, that is one of them. Okay. I so digress. after Vampire in Brooklyn was The Nutty Professor. And The Nutty Professor is just one of those movies that like made $500 million. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. It's, I got to say, it's it, it really is. Oh, fucking hilarious. Oh, people like, were talking. Oscar nomination for him in that movie. Were they? Oh yeah, because oh, wow. he's, he's he won critics awards that year. That like that was in every sense that was a fucking massive movie. It was massive for his career, and mm-hmm. he got several blank checks after that. Like for years and years and years, people were like, "We." I mean, even to yeah. today, I'm telling you, I I believe Norbit is is because of Nutty Professor. Imagine that. Me, Dave, uh, a thousand words. Right. Everything he's done is all those classics. I also <laughs> all, these, say, all these garbage movies is yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, but all these garbage movies, say, I think everyone's like, he can replicate who the knows magic. Yeah, when right. there's going to be another Nutty Professor because Nutty Professor well, is a remake of a kind of stupid movie. And so. I believe the Nutty Professor is an Imagine movie. It is 100. percent And that's why. And a lot of I, th- I want to say Norbit might be. I want to say. Yeah. uh a lot of these. So there's a part of me well, that was there are like a lot of Brian Robbins movies, which right? We talked but it's about like in, he um, he got in. Like Nutty Professor was sort of that marriage where I imagine that Brian Grazer, Ron Howard, these people are like, mm-hmm. okay, we we figured it out. Yes, we, we cracked the code. We got yeah. the, yes. So now we're going to do it over and over and over again. And unfortunately, it doesn't work as well as it did in the Nutty Professor. I never saw the Clumps. I never saw the sequel. 
it, it was it, it was funny, but it wasn't as good. Right. It was it had but it had great moments, uh, but it I, it didn't hit me the way the first one did. The first one is one of those movies too, where and I I fully understand why at a certain point. Eddie looks at that movie and says, okay, so this is this is the fulcrum point. I'm going to do this mm-hmm. because I'm good at this and it can make lots of money and sure. so be it. Yeah. Um, he does, I, he it is, is weird. I think he does that in his sleep. I mean, I think that's, I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. No, like I know. He, I, it's not because it's a, that's not coming to America where there's a role and then there's a bunch of these silly side roles. Mm-hmm. That's a dual role. Those are two incredibly different characters, Buddy Love and Sherman Clump. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I still well, feel like he does, he does the dual role. Incredibly well in Bowfinger as well. Yeah. Um, he does, which is a similar thing. Which is a somewhat similar thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's not just those two roles is the thing. Like, watching him, those dinner scenes. The family scenes. The yeah. family scenes. I mean, the professor, are, you're just looking at it being like, this is fucking yeah. Mozart. Like, this guy is next <laughs> yeah. level shit. I agree. Where you're just like, I, I don't even understand how a person can be this immensely talented. Now, it's obviously in unison with some tremendous makeup and some tremendous other Factors, yeah, but my god, what a movie! Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree, I agree. We still, I mean, we still say Hercules, like whenever Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Hercules. Anytime someone does something strong, I feel like, and that, like, it's never gonna go away. And and there were quotables in in uh life that I didn't, I forgot were from this movie, like, like the, what Jangalang Jangalang, which was like uh, the ludicrous did that in a song. Uh, really excited that in a song, and then there was another. Th- oh, uh, you scared? Don't be scared. Like that came from this <laughs> movie. Scared, like scared, yeah. there, really? there were like a couple of things, and I was like, "Holy shit, I forgot!" And then I, I can't remember. I should have written them down, but there were like I think three other things that I was like that are part of the cultural lexicon, yeah. like uh, outside yeah. of the black community, and it was and they were in this. Like I think this movie also is like there's there. There's a, I think there's a lot of love for this movie in certain. I, I think there, I think this movie has got more of a tale than maybe we're giving it credit. Well, to. I don't know. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it might. It, I, I think. Know. I think we're. I think we're. We're trying to ask you, Chuck. <laughs> is this movie? Is this movie better remembered in the black community than? No. 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 <laughs> it's not. I, right. Unfortunately, I mean, like, I my friends and I, I stay say stuff from it from time to time. But mm. like, uh, what was the other goddamn thing? I feel like me and my buddies <laughs> say this all the time. Uh oh, the upper room, like when they were singing about heaven, <laughs> like that shit comes up in, in jokey conversations a lot. That's, like that's there's amazing. a few other things, and I and, and I again I should have written them down, but like so I, I don't think it gets. I think people are like, oh yeah, I saw that, versus like talking about the themes that it that it dealt with and talking about like these great performances that you know we hadn't seen from Martin Lawrence yeah. at that point or like I or you know or Bernie Mac or anybody like that or um Oba Babatunde who stars in Dear White People. Yes. Know yes. Do you know him? Yes. Wonderful guy. Yeah. Amazing guy and like super duper talented. And he was dope in this movie too. Yeah, I was. forgot how good he was a lot in this of dig- movie. Not a lot of dignity in, the, in that character. Yeah. And he was in prison from when he was 13. It exactly. Was really a, yeah. And yeah. but but and usually that guy, like you play that character as like like kind of the the strong man, like the mm-hmm. tough guy, and he didn't. He just kind of ruled with experience, and it, and he was like you know benevolent. For the I moment. wanted to ask about a couple of questions, just because you know I, I we're talking about some black films. Um, <laughs> there are a couple other prominent black films this year that I think are better remembered by the, by culture as a whole and by the black community, and that's specifically The Best Man and The Wood. Yes, um, those are definitely 
Those haven't gone anywhere. No. In, 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 no, the Best Man sequel came out Best two, Man Holiday. three years ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in those, for, for whatever reason, those both kind of felt a little bit more like the beginning of something mm-hmm. where, you know, I mean, one of them was directed by uh, Malcolm Lee. Mm-hmm. Malcolm also Lee. a great guy. Did, did the, the wood, right? No, no, he did, the um, best, man? He did best Man. Yeah. Oh, they Rick uh, Famayua. The guy who did Dope? Yes. Did The Wood. Yeah. So those guys have gone on to have like pretty fucking serious yeah. careers. Yeah. And I think, I'm sorry. I mean, that's it. No, just that, just that idea that I, um, I, I just going to ask you about that if you had any. I, the only insight I can provide in that, and I, I cannot guarantee that I'm right on this, but like I imagine that because the, the Wood and Best Man were both like aspirational, it was like, it's it was like young black kids having fun and like everything's exciting and then it was like successful well dressed really beautiful black people like being you know successful and beautiful <laughs> so yeah. like that was something that people uh, like I, it wasn't as heavy like i feel like the, the maybe the reason that this didn't catch as much catch on as much is because it was so heavy it's fucking downer like i yeah. said like i it was triggering like my yeah. worst fears being imprisoned for a crime i didn't commit specifically because of my race and so if the people for people who don't want to go there in their souls like for two hours, best man and wood and the wood are much more uplifting and and fun. I think it's also interesting too, just because on the Eddie and Martin of it all, because mm-hmm. I feel like, and I don't know if this is a direction thing or if this was just they, you know, the subject matter. They do feel restrained, like they do feel to a certain extent as though they're not playing as large as they generally do. I mean, maybe I'm... Which I think works tremendously well yeah, for it's not it. a bad, yeah, it's not a bad it's decision. Great. Yeah. But I think it's it, it might speak to why this film didn't oh, I see have what you're legs it's, in yeah, terms of that. It, I mean, this is real ex- extrapolation and a lot of projection. But I wonder if they kind of showed up and or got the script or whatever and very quickly realized that they have a bigger responsibility with this movie. Than with both than with most of their movies. That's possible. It's the sense I get from Martin, at least, where he's just like, I can't fuck around the way I normally fuck around. Right. I, I, I'm telling a pretty fucking important story. Yeah. Well, I also I think that's it's also valid. interesting that that there isn't kind of a straight man between like they both tend to and again, I have not seen You mean ma- you mean in those two guys in life? Those or the two guys in this movie. Oh, I didn't mean that. Yeah, I, guys, I was like, which those like made two my guys. brain just <laughs> break. I was like, I was like what? Two, Kenny's lost. <laughs> those two. <laughs> I'm eating my own tail. <laughs> I, I think I understand your question. You know what I'm yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think that those two guys in life or in life. <laughs> my, I guess first of all, I want to say I, I have not seen as many Martin Lawrence films. I haven't seen that many of them at all. But, oh, but the movies your, your Martin Lawrence top five are going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be. Sure I, I'm not sure I've seen <laughs> five. Bad Boys. There's Bad Boys too. I've seen those. Yeah. Bad Boys for Life. Well, has, hasn't come out. Hasn't okay. come out yet. Yeah, it's still uh, in the works. I, I guess my point is that Martin Lawrence tends to be a relatively big performer. He's yes, t- he tends to just you know play broadly, mm-hmm. and Eddie does too. So there's a part of me that feels like the the balance between them is interesting as they both try to find the right dials in their scenes, Mm -hmm. which I think creates interesting scenes, but also not scenes that I think people expected to be seeing between these two guys. Right. Which I, I, which 
to me, it was what made the movie so special and so yes, awesome. Yes. But I feel I, I totally feel what you're saying, Phil. Like like if you're going into this expecting Big Eddie and Big Martin, right? Which I think you're everybody getting, was, which everybody right. probably yeah. was, and they're toned down, but still fucking hilarious. Like they yes. had a, like the way that they would sort of like um, you could tell sort of what the line was, and then what the little improv was at the mm-hmm. end of the line. Mm-hmm. The way that they did that consistently throughout the movie, I thought was really funny and really like. Always in character, never mm-hmm. felt like they were departing from the tone or from the, the character that they built for a laugh. Yeah. I felt like they were they were with it, working within the confines. I, it's just really good work. Like they were, bo- they both did really good jobs. I totally agree. I think, and and to that point, I think it's interesting that so the the, the pie scene when they go mm-hmm. in and the, the the white people pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the, with the, where they go the, into the at diner. The, at the beginning they, or the end? The beginning. The beginning. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, not when Martin steals it later. Yes, that's what I was that's <laughs> Which what is I was, great. Which is pretty funny. Um, but the scene at the beginning. <laughs> no okay. pie is worth getting shot at, by the way. I, I've, <laughs> I've had a lot of pies <laughs> in my life and none <laughs> but taste <laughs> bullet good. <laughs> bullet. What I will say <laughs> is that, so for that first scene, apparently it was swapped. And apparently, Eddie was supposed to be the one that was pissed off that he couldn't have the pie. Mm-hmm. And Martin was the one that was trying to talk him down. Mm-hmm. And it didn't play. And they felt like they couldn't really figure out the scene. So they swapped it. And they made Martin be the one that was pissed off that he couldn't get the pie. And Eddie be the one to talk him no down. No shit. And I and the scene just works so much better that way. So it's, it's just, I, it's emblematic of the fact that this film was sort of playing with perception of what, we think an Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence dynamic is supposed to be, and totally. then kind of fucking with it and yeah. trying to and trying to find new well, ways I, to do it. It's so interesting. I, I'm so glad to know that, like, because it was it it made more sense for Martin's character to be the one that gets upset because he sort of has composed, like, more yeah, composed, composed yeah. and like and a little entitled because he's like, look at me, look at how I dress yeah. and look at how I speak. Like, yeah, I'm I'm not a threat to anyone, so why would you be treating me this way? And Eddie, who's the more street smart, yeah. character, his character is way more street smart. He's like. That shit doesn't matter, dude. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. abandon that logic. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's yeah. not going to work. Just, yeah, yeah, but just in general, Eddie, throughout the entire one of these 80s movies, was the black guy telling white people, you can't talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. Right? Over and That's why over that scene is so interesting. Over, yeah. Right, yeah. For over him, and yeah. over and over. Eddie's just like, you can't talk to me like that. Yeah. All of those movies I mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them, but but certainly Beverly Hills Cops, certainly yeah. Trading Places. 48 Hours, I would uh, say too. Yeah, a lot yeah. of these movies. Um, Martin... I would say is also that character. I think like it's interesting because these guys are kind of similar personas, but the Martin Lawrence we got in this movie yes. seems like the like from the jump seems like the kind of guy who would pull him out. So I do, and I love that about him. And then it informs what is my favorite sequence in the movie, which is the Bokeem Woodbine stuff, mm-hmm. who's fantastic. In yeah, movie. he doesn't even talk. It's I know. Amazing. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's the Bokeem Woodbine stuff when he gets so upset about not also getting pardoned, and that's really that's mm-hmm. that's what. That's what incites their their forty year split. Yeah, split. Yeah, yeah. That wouldn't have worked so well. That wouldn't have worked so well if we didn't have that seed. That he's the guy who stands up when he feels like he's being fucked. Right. Well, it's it's so funny because I, 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 oh, I no no please go. I was I was gonna say in both of those scenes what it what the sort of theme of it was was like. You're never gonna be seen as equal to white people, even like even if you're making deals, uh, yeah. even if you're like doing everything the right way, it's just not going to happen for you. And I feel like that that being the impetus for their the breakup of their friendship for 40 years was so 
poignant because then yeah. he's like, I can't strike out at these white guys, so I got to fucking, whoever's closest, that's who I'm going to direct my anger toward. And it sucked. Like, I think that's unfortunate. And that happens a lot. Like, that happened. that's a very yeah. common trend where, like, you can't, you can't say what you want to say to your white boss or to your white neighbor or whatever the fuck or white cop. And like, and then so your family gets it or your friends yeah. get it. And that's, that's, you know, that's shitty. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, yes, obviously yes to all of that. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really interesting to sort of think about the Martin Lawrence of it all, because I think about him at the end of this movie, or at least in the, the last 15 minutes or so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. He's so good that you're just like, you could do other stuff. Yeah. And like you you could, I you know agree. what I mean? Like you don't need to be just doing. Now, listen, I, I get it. I, I'm Hollywood loves kind of. Hollywood loves a label. Hollywood loves yep. a, to put a, you in a type a, and just be like, "This is working." Here's fifty fucking scripts that all do yeah. this. So I get it. Um, They've also successfully branded him as a crazy person. That's true too, and I don't know if that's true at all. But but that has been as out a there. Persona or no? No, in no, no. Real uh, life. They, uh, that has been out there for fifteen years. That uh, Martin Lawrence is crazy. You don't he did. Work he with had him. a little bit of a of a breakdown. A but moment, I feel but, yeah. But like I feel like that's you know that's not. Completely abnormal. Well, look, I mean, I'm I'm not fucking breaking new ground by saying so did Robert Downey Jr., right? Yeah. Like, like of course. There, there are yeah, a lot yeah. of people who, who get it, second chances. It, yeah, and he gets or a second chance. Or fourth and he in gets Downey's his chances case. like in his very <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, in his very like narrow little avenue that people are comfortable in. But I think what we're all saying is like this guy not only is it still alive, unlike Bernie Mac, but he also is someone who's capable yep, of doing of much more. Much more. Yeah. He might get his shot in 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 a weird indie at some point. Yeah, I I would absolutely yeah. put him in my weird indie, like like just to see him, you know, spread his wings a yeah. little bit. Like he's, he's he's as he's shown us here, like he's capable of it. I think it's I, I think it's Josh. I feel what you were saying is like like. Will studios make take the risk that audiences will show up for an, a Martin who's not big and and wildly comedic and doing all the stuff that we're used to seeing him do? That's that's the only hard part. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I was I was really kind of hit with that. It really hit me as I was sort of watching the end of this movie, especially in that scene when he's outside waiting for the superintendent and he's seeing all the kind of hippie kids yeah. and mm-hmm. he sees himself in the reflection and mm-hmm. you're just like, damn, like this. Fucking guy can yeah. like he can do this yeah, shit. Yeah, I agree. Like it's, I, that was so. a really good moment, and you didn't know 
what he was going to do. Like you didn't know if he was going to hop on that Greyhound bus. You didn't know if he was going to like run. You didn't know what the fuck he was going to do. And I think he played that so subtly and so like it, real. Yeah, It was super important, awesome. I think, for that character to be the architect of his own escape. Absolutely. So yes. I do think that that he would never have jumped on the Greyhound bus. He had to have the whole thing gamed out from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. So. That's a good point. That's a good point. So uh, should we talk about the plot of this movie? Yeah. An hour and 11 minutes into the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the movie opens with a scene, I, I mean, opens in present day, I guess we're led to believe, yeah. right? Close yeah. to present day. Uh, in a cemetery, fun- there's a funeral that has happened. Mm-hmm. There are these grave diggers, or I, I guess the funeral I, attendants to the to the cemetery. I, I they was were in like jumpsuits, clear. so I, I thought they say, were prisoners. They looked like prisoners, yeah. right? Okay, which is kind of the point. We're still doing the same shit, right? Yeah. Right, and then there's yeah. an, it was heavy D. I don't old, know if you guys noticed that. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, heavy D and Bones Malone. Oh, that's I don't awesome. know who yeah. Bones Malone is. Bones Malone is like a, he was an act. Wait, was he? I think just an actor, but he also might have done slam poetry or something. Don't quote me on the slam poetry part, but he's definitely an actor who was <laughs> like a in a bunch name. of indies in the later nineties. That's a Uh, And there's an older gentleman there who is telling these two guys about the people they're burying. That was Oba. That was Oba Babatunde. From the the guy who was like the leader in the in the in the eight block, whatever the fuck they called it. How eight what is it called? House eight. House eight. House eight. Camp Camp eight. Yeah, yeah. He was like, that was him telling that story. Yes. Which we we later learn that though. Right. We don't know that in the we don't beginning. Know, yes, yeah. yeah, correct. So in the beginning, it's but he does he does tell the story. It does seem like he's I, I don't know if it's explicit or not, but this is a story about people he knew. These are his yeah, friends. sure. Yeah. But I will say that this and we also know that this is Martin and and Eddie. Like yes. we, we just you know that going in that that's who they're burying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I will say that this device is really used infrequently throughout the film. It basically bookends the movie. Mm-hmm. The voiceover shows up Tear again like 30 minutes in or something. Mm-hmm. You're just yeah, like, oh, is. right. It's I forgot I was... Yeah, it is. You don't a really little, know why. A little jarring it just could have just back. been the bookends and it would have been fine. So mm-hmm. it's weird when it comes back, but be that as it may. Starts telling this story and we flash back to, uh, to Harlem 1932 where we meet Ray and we meet Claude at a club, very Harlem Nights as, as we've discussed. Yeah. Very cotton clubby. Very cotton club. Again, like... The production of this movie is pretty top notch. I mean, eighty million dollars. Although I'm sure Eddie and Martin took a good chunk of that eighty million, probably. Um, but still, this movie looks really good. It looks great. And, and did you notice that was the singer was? Uh, I, I've, of course, I can't remember her name now. But from En Vogue, like the singer who was oh, on stage is one of the yeah. girls from uh, Dawn. I think it was Dawn. Oh, you used to have a crush on Dawn from En Vogue. Yeah, I think that's who that. I think that's who she was. The one she was in Lucy Pearl. I remember yeah. she was in that other other band. Uh, don't. <laughs> Revoke my black card. For this <laughs> but I'm fairly well, certain we actually don't have those capabilities here. Yeah, oh, we don't here. keep them here? No, no, no. Okay. Okay. Well, no. Yeah. no, no right. you're, you're okay. I can hang on yeah. to it for another couple months at least. Um, so Claude is talking with his girlfriend at a nearby table when Ray sees him. And, and the look that Ray gives Claude, I didn't really completely understand until later. But it's like a very charged look. Yes. Where I was like, is he going to, like, what, what does he have against this guy? Right. But then... I guess we were to, led to believe that he's just a mark. Which I would have played that moment differently then right. for that reason. Because right. it was like, it, he looked at him like, that yeah, motherfucker, like, like, yeah, like you, what did like, he do to yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. He like smashed so I thought they my knew headlights each other. or something. Yeah, yeah, like I thought they knew each other, which is weird. But anyway, so then they, they bump into each other in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Claude is has a debt that he has to pay. Mm-hmm. He hasn't paid it. And then these two, I guess the muscle of, of uh, what's the guy's name? Well, you know who he's played by? 
It's Rick James, right? Oh, yeah, it is Rick James. So, yeah. is, was that Rick James? Yeah. Is the, the guy who's ultimately, yeah. spoiler alert, the guy who's killed yeah. is Rick James. Rick James. Blew his mind. Guys, that silence was the explosion <laughs> of my cranium. Say, do we yeah. have, I, I yeah. wonder if we have anyone listening who could revoke black cards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what Rick James looks like in youth and in old age, and it didn't look like yeah. him at all. No, I didn't know that until I saw yeah. I looked it up. But yeah, Holy I, shit. I, I saw it too, but I wasn't like, I, yeah. Crazy. Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, long story short, Claude and Claude has has his money taken from him by these two guys mm-hmm. in one of the stalls. Then Eddie picks his pocket by claiming to know him from school, mm-hmm. but there's nothing in the wallet. And then there's some machinations, but ultimately we end on the docks with these two guys, basically. And I guess Eddie finds a way to buy Martin's life. By the way, I was wrong. <laughs> Thank you. So it's, it's I'll a take different that guy. black card back, please. Spanky was Rick James. Right. That's the guy uh, that, that the scene of the docks. Yeah, the docks. Yes. Yeah, the, Spanky the was the Not James. the guy who was killed. The guy who was killed is Clarence Williams III, right. who Phil knows, of course, from. No? Mm. A movie we're going to be doing later. A movie we're going to be doing later this year was based on a TV show, The Clarence Williams III. Oh, Mott sure, Squad. sure, Mott Squad. Mott Squad. Yes. I'm lightning round for all black fucking <laughs> questions for the, for the rest of this interview. You guys aren't getting me again. <laughs> Clarence Williams III from Mott Squad. So, all right. But Rick James is in the doc scene, and he is spanky. He's, he's spanky. the guy that's yes. trying to kill Martin for the debt that he's has not paid. Right. And then Eddie finds a way to talk Spanky into letting the two of them ride this, drive this booze to Mississippi? To Mississippi or from Mississippi? From Mississippi. Mississippi's involved. Yeah, no, they go to Mississippi to pick up the booze. They're going to drive it back up to New York. So he convinces him to let Martin work with him on this booze run. Yes, which I just realized, like, like that I didn't realize it until, until this moment. Like, like Eddie went out on a limb for Martin and, Martin, the rest of the movie, Martin, Martin was like, "Bitches fuck you. about it. Yeah, we fuck are you. not together. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, we're not friends. Like, you'd be like, dead. You'd be you'd dead. Be dead. <laughs> you would be drowned in this hole. You would be yeah. waterlogged. Like, it's a like hard puffy. thing. Yeah, I would say it's a hard thing to kind of deal with. Like, okay, I'd either be dead or in jail. I wouldn't be so happy about it. No, no, yeah, but, no. It would. It's not yes. great. No, that's what I'm saying it's yeah. a hard thing, but it's yeah, it's it's nuanced. It's like, an interesting. But, but, it's an interesting way to go did, into this relationship. But why did uh, Ray never call him out on that? Like you'd be fucking dead again. We're in prison because of me. But like you'd be dead yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Which you, would you, you would prefer? think that that should come? Maybe that got cut out too. Yeah. Well, at some point, I think Martin would say, "I wish you'd let me die." Yes. You know? I, where's that scene, that guys? That scene should have been there. We should, we should write it. God damn it. And then, like, do Maybe a reshoot. Maybe they wrote it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we get our diner scene that we were talking about when they're on the road. Um, oh, White's Only Pie. That's no, another. Pie. That's a very like common thing that I hear. From oh, yeah. really? White's Only Pie is like I, maybe it's just my friends. That's pretty know. funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> White's Only Pie is common. Yeah. Uh, then they go. Then they go to a, a. I guess it's a club, and there's a poker game, and that's when Eddie is conned by Clarence Williams the uh, Third, who takes his watch, his dad's his watch. dad's yeah. watch. Mm-hmm. See, this part of what I would. <laughs> All of this is happening in the first like 25 minutes of this movie. And there's mm-hmm. just a lot of machinations and a lot of things going on. And I think a lot of it could have just been 
streamlined, I guess is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of like contortions that we're having to get to in order to yeah. get them into prison. Well, what they, and I just didn't feel like we needed so many of them. What they re- it seems like what they really wanted was two New Yorkers in a Mississippi prison. Right. So how do we do that? Right. Just need, it's a circuitous, a circuitous route to get there. Yeah. And I get that there can be fun in that. But I mean, when just talking about the machinations of polar, I'm like, I mean, my cousin of, we're doing did, a lot of gymnastics. My cousin Vinny did the same thing to oh, New Yorkers yeah. in an Alabama prison. Oh my God. I in about know. eight minutes. So <laughs> it's it's not that hard, I guess. Yeah, but it didn't I, have but, this many yeah. characters. As I was about right. to say, it didn't have Eddie and Martin. You want to yeah. let them do yeah, you, you want to let them write. Right. Vamp for a bit. But I also feel like, I guess my point is, you could have had that Quicker. with less. Yeah. Like, I, I think you could have more, given Eddie and, and Martin the rope to play and do what they do mm-hmm. without all of this kind of gymnastics to get there. Anyway, long story short, uh, cop kills Clarence. Mm-hmm. Say St- that three times fast. <laughs> <laughs> he, he almost Jesus. didn't say that. Did you see his face? Yeah. He was like, should I, should I? I'm going to do it. It happens once a pod, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, uh, so... <laughs> uh, then he st- But he steals his watch. And I'm not still... I'm still not sure how Eddie knows that that cop has the watch. He... He doesn't later, necessarily is it later know, at the jail? He doesn't necessarily know the watch, cop has the watch. He goes into the guy's pocket. And the watch is gone. And the watch is gone. And when he puts it all together. But this is, you're making, you're yada yadaing it. <laughs> like, I not only I am I yada yadaing it, I realized in the course of my explanation that you're totally right. <laughs> that he didn't know, that he didn't know that the cop yeah. had it. Yeah, no, I, I know that he didn't, didn't realize the cop had it, but once he realized that's the cop from. You mean at the end? At the end. He put it all together. He put it all together. And that, and I think. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Another thing that didn't occur to me until just now is that it wasn't just like, hey, that belongs to me and you stole it. Like his, he was bigging his dad up the entire movie. My dad is this great guy, this great guy. And then in their their fight, he's like, no, my dad hung himself in prison. Like, so that watch was kind of a reminder. Like, that's why I think he had hope the entire time and never gave it up because like that, that was a. Did he never see the cop with the scar on his face or with the blood on his face? He had to. Have. He did in 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 jail when they got locked up and all the right. cop came in. So yeah. then, all right, that that's kind of that last missing piece yeah. because that's when with the big scar on his face and Arlie Ermey shows up with the big scar on his face. Yeah. He realizes. Yeah, it's yeah. so, all right. It's fine. Uh, basically, Ray and Claude are pinned for this murder. Mm-hmm. They're put in jail. And the best moment of this movie: no trial. Yeah, I know. Just, just life. Like, life. Yeah, right. You're like, uh, so they get a life sentence. Well, and that, that's the efficiency that you were looking for in the early yep. part of the movie. They, that's, that's they what heard, I'm saying. They heard like, your note, Phil. Yeah, and like, they, let's do that. <laughs> let's and get there already. So then they get them in jail. Um, I'm sure that's exactly what happened. I'm sure they're like, yeah, oh, like we got to get the fucking jail already. Yeah, they cut out 20 pages of trial. Yeah. Um, then there's a scene that I love. It might be my favorite scene in the movie where, or my favorite, maybe my favorite Eddie scene, which is when he's reading the letter. <laughs> oh, it's a great, it's a great that was scene. So fucking funny. It's uh, fucking it amazing. Was so and funny. it's just like just a litany of all these horrible. Everyone you've loved is dead or sick. Yes. Is basically what this letter is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your sister, she's dead. <laughs> Jenny? Oh, no, this no, is no, Marlene. Uh, Jenny's dead. Oh, too. Jenny's dead. And the, and the dog has worms. <laughs> He was he was so he's the great deadpan in that was he's great so in that scene. like that, it was warm and like comforting yes. but like Eddie just kills that scene that was, like, just is absolutely 
all the like funny and heartfelt, mm-hmm. and it's. Yeah. You know what the actors? Uh, the actor who played that role, yeah, Barry Shabaka Henley. And you know what his character's name was? No, <laughs> Poker Face. <laughs> he spends I, that, that entire scene <laughs> just looking straight ahead. It's so, it's it's so good. It's really good. It's, it's really good. That's yeah. perfect straight man acting. Oh, like it's he, fantastic. He just uh, let him do uh, his thing. Uh, uh-huh. 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 <laughs> Anyone else want their red? Yeah. Let him something red? No, no, no. no we're, good. We're, good. we're good. We're good. Uh, then we have the scene, uh, which is sort of like a bizarro version of the Shawshank Redemption scene when they're all eating and talking about the crimes that they've done, but their yeah. crimes are fucking insane. Yes. Yeah. And and horrifying. Yeah. Just a, a series of just awful things. Skinning your landlady and making a jacket yeah. out of her. I was like, <laughs> I don't think no. they put that guy at Camp 8. I feel like he's behind barbed wires. I feel like there's like... away from people. Yeah, he's on a yeah. Hannibal Lecter like, and like be, gurney and kinda. because of Shawshank and there are like little things in Shawshank here that that com- you're conditioned to believe a few things about prison movie which is that everyone's be like but I didn't do it but yeah. I didn't do it but I didn't do it all these things <laughs> like, like I did, I did it, it. Yeah. 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 yeah it's great I did it I did um, it only guilty guy in Shawshank yeah. uh, <laughs> so we have that scene Anthony Anderson first movie he's ever been in looks like a entirely different human completely being. different yeah. person little, little he baby. looks younger now than he, yeah how's that possible did think then, so? I he's, think well, he's, he's significantly lost a lot of yeah. Yeah. He's, he looks like a completely different guy uh, then there's the fighter for the cornbread which I loved cornbread's great the oh cor- cor- that's another one that we use <laughs> that we say all the time you go eat your cornbread <laughs> and that's like whether it's cornbread or not it could be any type yeah, of it's, yeah. it's a great it's, it's a, a great great scene great scene and this is this is why I feel like this is when the movie just like really sinks into what it is mm-hmm. as much as that first 30 minutes is fun. This movie is it's funnier than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> See that, Kenny? <laughs> um, so then uh, Rayford hears about a boat that could help him and Claude escape. And there's then this map situation mm-hmm. where he writes, he makes a bullshit map to get Martin to leave. You find mm-hmm. out later it's bullshit. It's yeah, bullshit. Sure. It's, it's funny. Which is great. And then, um, and then we have the Boom Boom Room, which is just a fantastic fantasy. It's really nice. It's a great set piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, also expensive. So you understand where yes. the $80 million yeah. goes to. It really pops out into that really great. You know what it's a little bit like? Mm. So actually, this it's, Chicago. It, we're well, <laughs> a little bit. We're hundred and not hundred. We're an hour and twenty four minutes into this, right? Yeah. And we haven't brought up the other prison movie from this year yet. From this year, from nineteen ninety nine, Green Mile. Oh, that's right. Oh, a significantly inferior movie. I significantly didn't. Inferior. I didn't see that movie because I heard that, and I was like, well, I don't want to do. And it was like. Yeah, magic, you don't, you don't need to magic do it, black guy. Oh, oh, it is terrible. Yeah, flick. I didn't want to. It's not. You don't want to go there. I wasn't but the best part. Of but that listen movie, to our episode because it's great. Okay, no, that I will. That, the best that's a better that use movie, of my time. At least for me, was um, was fucking uh, what was it called? Mouse Town, Mouse, yeah. Mouseville, Mouseville. I love Mouseville. <laughs> Basically, the Chuck really, we're the, going back to Mouseville. I'm always I'm living in Mouseville now. <laughs> Mouseville is a fantasy that they sell. It totally this, is Mouseville. They sell this guy who's on. Uh, he's like death mentally row. challenged. He's mentally challenged. He's on death row, and he keeps this mouse in a box, and he teaches him little tricks. Okay, and he's gonna get killed. And they, he's Mr. really nervous Mr. about Mr. Bojangles. Mr. Bojangles. <laughs> They're very. He's very nervous about Mr. Bojangles. So Mr. Bojangles, they they concoct this fantasy for him that Mr. Bojangles is gonna go live in Mouseville. Where, okay. all the really oh, where all the really talented, mice all the really go. talented mice go. Gotcha. And there's like little stores and little they, they oh, wear little hats. God knows sure. what happens in Mouseville, but it keeps him going. The, 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 Until the moment before he dies, when the asshole guard says, "There's no fucking Mouseville." Who's in Never Been Kissed? Um, love. Yes. He's the coach. That movie. He's oh. the coach. He's the you get, wait, kissed. we're doing that next. Are you guys doing that next? Yeah. yeah. Can I stay? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, if you want. Yeah. 
Okay, I mean, I, I'm debating. I'm like, I don't want to take somebody else's thing. No. Yeah, but um, and, and it's my boss. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, let me not let me not get you fired. Yeah, um, that's my goal. Um, <laughs> so, to not get me fired. That's right. Uh, wait, wait, wait. So yes, it, 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 there <clears throat> there is this little runner throughout a yes. lot of prison movies, and you also see in like orphanage movies, like anything where people feel like they're kind of kept kept somewhere against mm-hmm. their will. Um, how big of a role fantasy plays in that. Yeah. And I loved the way it was deployed in this mm-hmm. movie. Absolutely. And also using Biscuit as the yeah. lounge singer. It's just great. And, oh, not it's a great sequence. Not Miguel Nunez's first drag. This was, I like, I, this must have been a screen test for yeah. Joanna Man, I would, I would yeah. imagine. Oh, that was, that was, he was <laughs> Joanna Man. <laughs> screen test for Joanna Man. I, you don't hear that every day. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it's been that's said a million times. That's remember. why he's so familiar from yeah. Joanna Man. Yeah. Um, what but a it's a, it's it, uh, it's a great sequence. The booming room sequence is a real. It, you were also really needed it at this point in yes. terms of just levity, a pop of levity, but also color. of changing mm-hmm. the hope. scenery, hope, but also just getting you off of yeah. this, getting you out of this camp, yeah, and just giving you something. So it's it's really really well done. But I love the way everyone bought in. Yeah, I I, I love that there isn't the. Uh, I really wouldn't have enjoyed this movie as much if there was like some piece of shit character like stomping on their mouse fills. Yeah, I agree. You know? Well, I agree. Martin, that, which that's, is what, what that's the what Nick Cassavetti character. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's what he that's a, But which, which, what I thought that's what made it so cool is everybody else who had been yeah. really warm to Claude before was like, shut the fuck up, man. Like, yeah. like don't ruin this for us. Yeah. And I love how Ray brought every, included everybody into it. Yep. And it was so everybody felt like they were a yeah. part of this vision. That, yeah, the yes and the whole thing. They, it was great improv on yeah, all their parts. Yeah, it was good. It, it was the opposite gambling? of me from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after that, we get the baseball stuff. Where um, it's clear that Claude has a an aptitude for coaching baseball, I guess, or yeah. something to that effect. One of the and first things he says to his girlfriend is, "When I get money, oh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. buy season tickets, tickets to the Yankees." Yankees. Right, so right. he's he's a baseball lover at yeah. the very least. So and then uh, Bokeem Woodbine shows up, and they give him a swing at bat, and he's incredible. Mm-hmm. And then Noah Emmerich shows up. I know <laughs> who apparently has looked so, forty five so his entire career. I was about to say, why does he look he the just same always age? Looks the I same, know. I guess he was just born that. Way. I don't know. I love the star of the no. The star of Fargo hits the ball out. The yep. star of America shows, shows up to draft him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and then we get sort of oh, then we get the May Rose thing. Yes, where it's he's eyeing her from the field and not subtly. No. I remember thinking like, God, you're going to yeah. get killed. You're like, get like killed. You and, keep, she, yeah. and she too, she yeah. was not very subtle at all. I was like, you guys don't know how to creep. Like your creep game is like, <laughs> it's, it's not awful. great. It's not great. Get it together. May Rose played by the star of unforgettable. Yes. CBS is unforgettable. <laughs> and and A&E's and A&E's unforgettable. Briefly unforgettable. Yeah. All right. Uh, Poppy Montgomery. Uh, and then it's clear that she gets pregnant and Bokeem is the father and then they do a Spartacus moment where they all basically fall on the mm-hmm. sword so Very he, nice. doesn't, he doesn't get screwed. Uh, and then he's, so then, okay, sorry. Then Biscuit gets a release form and Biscuit's sad to leave. Yeah. And then he's like, What's your, why are you sad to leave? That scene's amazing. That, yeah, that's the institutionalization that I was talking about before. And, and also see. just like the, how do I be this outside Right. Do you they know play, what I mean? You know yes. they played that. Yes. Like I can um, be myself. Yeah. Here. here. Right. I can't be that outside. Yeah. Which I think is really poignant and sad, and it's a really beautiful scene. And you, in that moment, I did sort of think to myself, like, is this going to be a Brooks Shawshank thing? Which, which it was. It, it was. It which was. Is fine. Yeah. I was. That's not a knock against it, but it did feel like this guy's, you know, fate oh, but is you also it, you, you also 
Chuck, you could probably speak to this better than I can. Definitely speak to it better than I can. You don't see, you haven't seen a lot of respectful portrayals of black homosexuality on screen. Absolutely. Like, Ever? Yeah, not much. Like, really? And this is a '99, so that that. I mean, Omar feels like maybe ten I mean, years later, yeah, right? Yeah. But that feels five like years later. Five, yeah, and and that's just you know a bravado performance from top to yeah. lip. But it's just that's the one that makes me go like that. They really went for it with that, and it's successful. But yeah, yeah. it's a rare. It seems. Yeah, it's super rare, and and also, I mean, I, I guess that's kind of a, one of the positive things to take away was like how far. Black, I guess gay people in general, but black gay people specifically, how far we've come over, like, you know, 50 years or wherever, where it's like, I can't, if I go out into the world, like, I will die. So I might as well just die here. Like, with some with some dignity on my own terms. And like, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's it's cra- unbelievable like, it, that they did that in this movie. Well, and, and it's funny because... <laughs> like, you, but it's, it's unbelievable that's a, that that was a real know, thing. No, it, of course, yeah. of course, but just not that long ago. Yeah. Well, and the, the, the interesting dichotomy there is like, some people go into prison and like they're scared of like being gay in prison, and then he's like scared of being gay out of prison. Like prison is safer to be gay. Like which is that's a very which is insane. that's a mind fuck. Well, we actually we touched a little bit on that in the Boys Don't Cry episode too, where you had yep, a character who couldn't be what they wanted to be mm-hmm. out in the world, and at one point Brendan is put in jail, and I I remember watching and thinking like. Might be safer. In, he might be safer in jail. Maybe. And, and and but which is just completely fucked. Yeah, it's it, terrible. It, really sad. Uh, it, but it is a really fucking sick situation. That anybody yes. in the fucking country would be safer in jail than yeah. in the country. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So biscuit runs. Basically, commits suicide. Knows that he's going to get shot. Um, we spoke about the the Bernie Mac situation there, but um, Bokeem then gets released to play baseball. Claude's pissed off about that. Because he uh, thought he was going to get released with him yeah. as his quote unquote coach. Coach, mm-hmm. yeah. He really serves, and that's it, what creates the the, the, the rift, the fissure yeah. between the two of them. And, and the I, argument I don't that know, comes from uh, that. I don't know how intentional this was, but it's certainly in the movie, so it should be discussed. Um, it's interesting that the only way out of the prison was through athletics, which a lot of people look mm-hmm. the only way out of being. Impoverished in this country, sometimes it seems, is through athletics. Mm-hmm. And there's it, it. It's what can you, what can you bring to white people immediately? Mm-hmm. How can we, yeah. how can we commod, <sighs> commoditize you immediately? And there was no way. Commoditize, commodify, commodify, yeah. commodify, commodify you. Monetize. Yeah. You were you combined. Commoditize. Yeah. How can we commodify you immediately? Um, at least I caught myself. Kenny making words. Thank yeah. you guys. Thank you guys so much, so much for not humiliating me by by yeah. jumping in. Uh, how do you commoditize them? So uh, immediately. Yes. And uh, I think there is an interesting parallel that that yeah. this idea and it has always been there. You know, Louis Armstrong. He's cool. He's making money for mm-hmm. RCA. Yeah. Um, but everybody else, you know, will accuse you of a crime you didn't commit. Throw you in right. jail. Get four years of free labor out of you. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I, I yeah, think there's something. I think it's I think it's yeah, I mean I think that's I mean deplorable and awful. Yeah. Um there's also music. Yeah. <laughs> not, just yeah. A, not just not just athletics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's true. music too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of what Louis Armstrong did. But you yeah, know. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, is that who you said? Yeah. I I spaced out. I spaced out. I spaced <laughs> out. Sorry. I thought you were still in sports. Sorry. Claude steals a pie, as we mentioned. There's also music. Uh, and he sentenced. <laughs> well, they need a way to commoditize them. So it's yeah, like, it, it, it was commodit. 
Commodities. steals a pie and is punished by having to stand on these bottles. Mm-hmm. And then, oddly, there's this situation where he's like, where the guard gives him a gun and says, if he moves, shoot him. If you shoot him, I'll let you go free. It's a weird sort of, and he won't do it because he's his friend, obviously. Yeah. So then he, then Eddie is forced to stand on the bottles as well. And it's a really great scene with the two of them on the bottles. I love that scene. Because mm-hmm. that's where you're like, they're, they're re, uh, their reconnection, reunion. Yeah. their reunion. Um, there's also some genuine laughter from Eddie because apparently when Martin said that he got his toe stuck in one of the bottles. It actually happened. Oh, really? And he's like, oh, fuck, I got one of my toes stuck in the bottle. And then Eddie starts to laugh. And it's, it's like an actual genuine moment oh, between the two of them, which is kind How of— How did you know this? I, I looked so—I've I looked far and wide on the internet for articles about this movie. I could find virtually nothing. Well, I'm just better at this than you. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> uh, which is kind of great. They're transferred then to the superintendent's mansion. We have the housekeeper mm-hmm. stuff we were talking about. Um Claude discovers that the superintendent's friends with the cop who framed Ray and Claude. And then we have sort of the standoff situation where the superintendent oh, finds out about it. By the way, I'm sorry. Just to go back to something you were saying before mm-hmm. about how like they were basically like slaves in that house. Sure. Like a house slave or a field slave. That was considered an upgrade. He yeah, did, yeah. The, he did like, them a favor by yeah. when the by, guard tells them yeah. he's like choking up because he's yeah, like giving he's, them a. You're like this is still shit. The golden goose he's giving them apparently, oh, but it's, it's like awful. yeah, it's it's real that that shit. That actually kind of like yeah, it's that's not stung. Great. That's yeah. stung <laughs> not pretty, great. pretty deeply. Uh, then we get the standoff, and we basically wrap up the whole thing where the you know Claude and Ray say that the cop is the guy that framed them to the superintendent. You get sort of a, a standoff with these guns. Cop pulls out a gun. Superintendent shoots his friend. Yeah, <laughs> and he who does have the watch uh, because sort of he proving believes the innocence. Them, but yeah. yeah, but he believes. And I'm not. I don't. I'm not. I, I'm only. I'm only rushing through this because. You know, we need to wrap this up. But also just because I want us to get to our Eddie Murphy movies and what have you. But it it does feel like it's a little bit of a rush story-wise in this scene too. Where there's like, let's get this done quickly because we want, you know, to get to the happy end. Yeah. I don't think that that's how it's... So, I mean, to me, there's a parallel with Django Unchained, right? Sure. That at the end of Django Unchained, kind of famously, it's Christoph Waltz. Fewer N-words in this movie, I think. (laughs) Not by a lot. (laughs) Uh, I mean, at the end of Django Unchained, kind of, uh, don't get me started. They they kind of famously, Christoph Waltz is the one who shoots Leo instead of Jamie Foxx. And Will Smith didn't take this role in part because he thought that Django should be the one who shoots shoots Leo. that's it's a solid point. That's correct in Django, no doubt. No, no, but he, in, in Django, that's no doubt what should have happened, yeah. right? In this movie, it's. I, I wonder what you guys think, basically, because I, I I do think that there's a big problem with Ned Beatty being the one who ultimately shoots him, I and I also think there's a big problem. It exonerates white people in the audience, saying yeah. like, "I that's who I am. That's me. Yeah, I'm the guy who listens to truth and fairness and reason and would shoot a racist in their face." <laughs> um, I think it. So I think there's this exoneration thing with 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 Ned Beatty being the one to, sh- to shoot them. I. Do think it's a little different than Django in that there is the law mm-hmm. that that needs to kind of come into it here. And there yeah. would have been an added issue of Ned Beatty then would have had to cover up a murder at that point. That's true. Cover up a murder. Had had, had Martin, Martin or Eddie or, do it, he would have had to cover up well, that. He, he still covered up 
but he covered up his own his own own murder. But this is so. What I saw from that was like that's a and and it's not a murder either way. Well, that that's true too, right? It's It's self defense. -defense. The guy had a gun, yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, he it just there would have been that other added element of like I'll take care of this and I'll. You know, there would have been, been, been more of a white savory yeah. f- well, sort of feel too. if it was one of the guys who did it. But I, yeah, and I also I think what I thought was when I saw him shoot him, I was like, if Ned Beatty didn't feel like he could convincingly get this story bought by yeah. the authorities, it'd be easier for him to get off from the, for the crime, for the crime than itself. it would have been for yeah. the, for the two guys to do. It would have been impossible so, for them impossible to for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like I think. I think he was he was like, hey, in a very quick moment, was like, I understand the racial politics involved here. Like, I can get away with this. You can't. I think, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. And I think, like, in the context of this movie, that's why I'm, like, kind of saying, well, was that the right decision for the movie? Even though it also yeah. played into what I think are really troubling exoneration things. Mm-hmm. Like, they were really kind troubling. of damned if they do, damned if they don't that's, a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the right decision. I just think it's— It's just interesting that that— well, I think the Django thing is so much more clear cut to me. Like it's so well, yeah. much. Yeah, this that, is a little. This that's is a simple muddier. You know, that's that's two outlaws. They're they're. You know what I mean? So uh, in Django, bells, I don't in, know. Django <laughs> in Django, it's two outlaws killing somebody. So really, yeah. isn't there really isn't that like yeah. power difference here? I mean, it's an authority figure who yeah. respects a member of the community and two prisoners. There's it's a different situation. But so then there's a fire at the retirement home. And well, I wouldn't call it a retirement home, but it's a. <laughs> you know, at, at, <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> at Shady that's, Pines, that's yeah. one way to put it. <laughs> hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a 50 I mean, and over community. They have a lot of fun. There's activities. a lot of old people there. Yeah. It's the old man jail. Yeah, the old, the, the yeah. old man jail at the old man. Jail. And there's a fire and Claude. The and old Rayford. man jail and two young people for some reason oh, yeah. doing blow out of something. That was kind of yeah. weird. That was yeah. strange. I don't know. Anyway, they were able to sort of. Fake their deaths. Yes. Basically. Uh, and they were able to slip out. Which I so think they had been planning for 60 I years. I think a while. Yeah. And then uh, and then we get our last scene at Yankee Stadium where they're just kind of just- Doing the wave Doing the wave. Yeah. I, swear, I swear to God, I got a lump in my throat. I got really? a little choked up. I, was I got a little so, choked up with that too. I couldn't believe it. I was so happy for these two guys. I'm getting a little choked up thinking about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Like it was it, that. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, I bumped the movie up ten points at the end. It's a. It's a great final moment. It's, it's a great. moment it's such where you're just wish like, fulfillment. Yeah. Like, yeah. These guys fucking earned it. Yeah, like, yes. exactly. Yeah, I agree. It's a night. You know, and sometimes I, I generally feel like if you're gonna have a sad downer ending, you better have a really good fucking reason. Because if you're not gonna have a sad downer ending, like give me the happy ending. You yeah. know, I, I I go to the movies for the happy ending, right? I'm not going to just have my Stomach kicked. So, <laughs> right before you have to go out and face the world. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, all things being even, this is the ending I wanted in this movie. And I felt like it was good. I felt like, yeah. I felt like these characters earned it and deserved it. I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, so, let's do our Eddie movies first and then we'll do our rating. All right. You cool with that? Yeah. Um, you want to go first, Kenny? Sure. I can go first. Uh, at number five, I'm going to put life. All right, I have. All right, yeah, right, yeah, I am. Oh, I'm we're good. doing it in order. It's yeah, like a, yeah. We'll go number five, five, I'm gonna five put, up. Okay, five. I'm going to put life uh, for all the reasons we just said. Sure. I think mm-hmm. it's a really excellent movie, mm-hmm. and my my rating will reflect that. Um, at number four, the Lady Professor, which we've also discussed. Mm-hmm. At number three, Trading Places. Mm-hmm. At number two, a personal favorite. I don't know if everyone else feels this way. 
Distinguished Gentleman. Oh, wow. Okay. Which I love. Okay. I've never seen it. And number one, Beverly Hills Cop. Wow, Bowfinger not even on this list. Wow. You know what? It's not even a knock on Bowfinger. There's so many Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murphy movies yeah. I love yeah. that, you know, like when I'm making it, it was on a short list sure. and Dreamgirls was on a short list. And um, My list is but, pretty similar. Yeah, but- uh, There's but some no, overlap from, I, here, from here. Yeah. And I haven't seen Bowfinger in a long time, so maybe I'm it'll excited, change I'm really when, I, when we that redo one. it. But, yeah. um, I'll go real quick because, you know- Zero to 99 is looming. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I- I I put Shrek at five. I don't like Shrek, but you he's like fucking in great in that movie. Yeah, I buy he's that. Donkey makes the movie for me. So I put it in five. That also was his third act. Yes. Yeah. And he, bank. That was supposed to be somebody else in that room. I just heard this last week that Donkey was supposed I'll try to, look to it be- up. Okay. Um, oh, Even though I'm not so good at this. Okay. Yeah, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Phil. Uh, no, you can no. find it, Kenny. That, it's yeah. pretty. My, uh, four, I've got also I have the Nerdy Professor. At three, I have Trading Places. At wow. two, I have Beverly Hills Cop. And at one, I have Bowfinger. Okay. Mm-hmm. My, my list is completely different than yours, but I, I, that's, <laughs> I, that's solid. That's solid. Yeah. For what it's worth. Go ahead. For what, okay. So mine, uh, number five, I have Nutty Professor, as we discussed. It's just, it's just it's comedic just gold. It's just, great. It's just yeah. amazing. And also, we, Dave Chappelle. Yes, yeah, and, and Janet Jackson, like, like women be shopping. women be shopping. <laughs> yeah, like that was that, that is a, an amazing. I mean, and that's we, we in comedy rooms we will say that I mean, we don't want to do like a it's not like a women be shopping sort of thing. It's like a, you know you know we want to do like a more nuanced stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, number four, Harlem Nights. Uh, that movie meant a lot to me as a kid. It was just it was a couple generations of the best comics in. America, I would say it was it was awesome. Red Fox and and yep. Eddie and like it, it was just, and uh, prior like it was it, and Arsenio it, it was just like the Justice League like the Avengers of comedy <laughs> and sure I'm, and I'm also I'm just I'm obsessed with like the Harlem Renaissance I love that time period like, oh it was it's just, a beautiful looking movie it's a too. beautiful it's a really looking well movie, movie really yeah. well done a lot yeah. of great comedic moments and also some you know some some of the other parts of the story get a little janky but like it's Awesome, super, super good movie. Uh, number three, Life. This this film. There you go. This film here is the topic of today's conversation. Chuck, was it Dave Martin? I mean, sorry, was it Steve Martin? Yes, yeah. I think so. I think so. Take Not that, Phil. That would have been. That would. Yeah, First of all, take that, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> You yeah. just Googled yeah, something? Phil. That's right. That's right. I did. I did. That's right. Ridiculous. I did just Google something. That's right. Good for you, Go Kenny. on. Number Go three, life. Rules. I love Steve Martin, but he would not have been as good as Donkey. No. No, definitely. When you, when you, get, Eddie, when you get Eddie do a role like yeah. that, you get Eddie. Yeah. You get Eddie. Yeah. yeah. So he three is life. Fire. Two, uh, coming to America. Um, again, just him playing multiple roles is great. I thought everybody else in that movie was amazing. It looked good. I got to watch so it. So many it's, quotables. So, like, like I, it's also what, on an earlier version of my list, my a pre-life version of my list. A pre, but, oh, okay. But what are you going to do? Yeah, you can't. You can't. Yeah. You, can't, you, can't, you, can't you only got five. Yeah, you've yeah. only got five. That's right. Yes, that's the rules. Um, and then number one, uh, Boomerang. I thought Boomerang. Wow. Boomerang was no Beverly Hills Cop. Wow. Nah, man. I I never really got down with Beverly Hills Cop for some reason. Or yeah. Forty Eight Hours, or another Forty Eight. Yeah. Like I just I I understood them, and yeah. I, I I thought they were like cool movies. Yeah. But as far as like I, I, the comedy in Boomerang, and and it also sort of the the light that it's shown on, and it was also one of those like aspirational, like really successful, well dressed, beautiful mm-hmm. black people being funny and awesome and shit like that. 
it's 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 great to see as a kid. And then it also had a lot of like commentary about like gender roles and mm-hmm. and how fucking chauvinistic men can be and how you know when women do it, like what that does to the fragile male ego. Like it was it was so ahead of its time. I feel like as far as I really like, should, I, it's it's a movie I remember seeing way back. I mm-hmm. I, I do want to rewatch it because it's a movie that I also think like is there another African American actor that could have done that movie at that time at that. That's a great question. I would have to because it feels so like. I mean, there's a million white guys that probably that, that, that to do that version of whatever that mm-hmm. that version of the movie is, uh, an inferior one. But I do think you're that you're talking it's about Eddie's role. Yes. Yeah, in the early '90s. It was '92, right? '92 sounds right. It's yeah. just like I, I, the point. The point I'm really trying to make is how big a movie star he was mm-hmm. and the power that he had to be able to sort of. That's a that is a. You know that is a movie star role, and he, you know, he, he was not out of the park. Yeah. He was forced to wear so many different hats yeah. because of his star wattage. Yes, he was forced to play so many. He did it so well, but like Axel Foley is nothing like um, what's the Trading Places character's name? Uh, Looking good, <laughs> whatever, feeling good. That guy, that guy, <laughs> did nothing like him. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing like character in Boomerang. Nothing like and and uh, yeah. And Boomerang was like that was like a like a like a kind of um, leading man from the '60s yeah. kind of role. Like it's kind that of was such a movie. Yeah, it was a throwback. And and I will say this to the day I die. Uh, fucking, uh, uh, of course. Now I can't. I can't. <laughs> Grace Jones should have been nominated for an Oscar yeah. for playing Strange. That was one of the funniest and like l- just most unpredictable performances really? that I'd seen. And it and it. Tonally was different from the rest of everyone else's performance in the movie, but it it worked so well. I think she was robbed. Amazing! I need to rewatch it. it. Yeah, please right. do. So um, let's zero to ninety nine. This. Do you know how this goes? How do we rate? No, these? explain. Explain. It's please. pretty. It's pretty easy. Uh, basically, we rank the movies from zero to ninety nine. Ninety nine being the highest ranking you can give it. Zero being the, the least. Fifty is the threshold of whether or not you would recommend this movie to somebody else. Okay. Uh, we want a ranking of. If you saw it in 99, what you thought of it, a ranking, what you thought before this podcast, and then one after the podcast. Wow. Okay. Got it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so what, from 0 to 99, what would you rank this film in 99? When you in saw 99, it? I probably would have said probably like 75. Okay. Okay. Um, before this podcast, I would say, I, it goes up. It just goes yeah. up. I think I would say 80 before the podcast, and yeah. then I think we're into 90 territory. I'd say like 90, 91 maybe. Amazing. Yeah, like it's it good. just is. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Any? Um, 70 on my, uh, before, I never saw it in 99. Never yeah, saw I did it not see it in 99 either. So I, I wrote down 70. I think the reason I wrote down 70 was because um, I think I thought it was slow. And I uh, lost my attention a little bit in the beginning. I love this conversation. I'm bumping it up to an 86. Wow. All right. Um, I think it's an, I, I, now, now I think it's actually quite an achievement um, in a way I didn't think so before. So 86 for life. Never would have seen that coming. <laughs> in a million fucking well, years. Well, because that's texted, why I, I texted it. him during it and I was like, this movie's not what I thought this yeah. movie was. Uh, You're like, this, you, I, the text was, this movie goes in a lot of weird directions and not all bad. Yeah. Which, like, I knew exactly where you were coming from, yeah. which is like, we, I think we didn't say it, but I think we were both like, actually, I did kind of say it because when you were between Chuck, when you you gave us four movies mm-hmm. and 
then you, I think you whittled it down to best man and this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, I hope he chooses best man. God, I hope he chooses best man. <laughs> and Phil's like, I hope he chooses life. And I'm I like, zagged. I don't want to watch that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I had, I had a similar trajectory. I, I would say pre-podcast, I had a 70 as well. And I'm at an 80 now. Like That's I good. think that it's, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't, I don't, it's because when I pressed play on this, I, I think we had very similar. We we're like, okay, Ooh, we're going to okay. slog through this. slog through this yeah. fucking yeah. thing. Yeah. And then I found myself surprisingly pulled into it. I was amazed by some of the things that they were, that they were willing to talk about in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck. Like it's just they they really like they made a really That's, good movie. It was kind of our reaction that they were like, "Fuck!" Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a good movie. That should have been on the we poster. Like, <laughs> fuck, it's actually Phil. good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, all right. But what so, are we doing next week? Next week we are doing Never Been Kissed. Mm. Um, Love the, it, Drew Barrymore. So good. Um, Kenny's thoughts. Uh, I'll be interested to hear. Uh, we have Spencer is in that too, isn't she? Is yes, that? she is in it. Yeah, Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer is one of one for of like her, a minute. Yeah. yeah, she's one of her coworkers. Yeah. Yeah. Like spot. <laughs> she's in it. She's in it. She's in it. It's it's early period Octavia. Er, it's early Octavia. Yes. It is. It is. Um, and we've but got the a great thing cast. about Octavia right now is if this movie came out in 2019. Probably get nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> she is like the Academy's yeah. bestie. If like, she is in it for ten minutes, they're like, put her on the short. Put her on the short. Come on, yeah. guys, let's go. And that was life. <laughs> that that was life. Uh, as I'm sure you all can tell from the uh, the the glorious quality. You, you're of- giving it away. You're giving it away. Trade secrets. Trade secrets. No one will ever think that this, the quality of this audio is anything other than us being bad at planning our time. Uh, I thought you were going to say no one would ever think podcasting is a trade. Well, that that too. Yeah, not the way we do it. Um, <laughs> but basically, yes, we're bad at planning, but we are planning now to do... Forces of Nature next week, well, 1999's classic movie about weather. <laughs> we're, we're planning on releasing it anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, we've done it. We've done it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna do the um, the classic romantic comedy, weather comedy. I can't think of another weather comedy. So I mean, it's uh, the Weatherman. That's not a comedy. It's. I don't even think it's about weather. Can you think of another weather comedy? I mean, he is a weather man. Is isn't uh is is Bill Murray a weather man in Groundhog Day? Oh, that's, that's a weather comedy, hundred <laughs> percent. There you go. That's, 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 so that's a Citizen Kane of weather weather comedies, <laughs> and this is kind of like the forces of nature of weather comedies. <laughs> so, and you'll see you'll see what we mean next week we, when you listen to forces of nature. Yeah, Sandra Bullock, Ben Affleck. Maura Tierney, a classic. Who was the mm-hmm. other? Who was? Mm-hmm. I'm completely forgetting now. Who the other? Oh, is it Steve Zahn? Uh, uh, Steve Zahn. Yeah. Um, Richard Schiff before he got the beard. Um, <laughs> Richard Schiff before he before he miraculously miraculously went from like an ugly forty year old to this like stone cold fox of a fifty year old man. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's one of the great rebounds of all time. I was actually rewatching Speed a couple of nights ago, just sure. you know, because it was on. It's the greatest movie, 
and he's in that too for like a scene. He's just you know some doughy. He, he, remember in the end they're on the train, you know the the yeah, the yeah, last yeah. yeah the subway feet. yeah. He's the conductor who gets shot. Seriously, and I think his line is "Don't shoot." <laughs> I I that's wow. I had no idea. I've I've watched Speed recently too. I guess I just didn't notice that. That's amazing. Once like, yeah, once you know what Richard Schiff looked like before West Wing, yeah. Um, like he, you realize he's been in. He was in so much stuff when he was just like that ugly guy. I remember that, him being the guy who gets eaten by the T Rexes in Lost World. Before he got handsome, before. he also went from playing all these like beta male roles to like yeah. these like uber alpha male roles. Yeah, I know. Well, Who else yeah, has yeah. done that? Has like totally changed like the way they were typecast. I mean, it also should be said too. Like Toby Ziegler's one of the best roles ever. Totally. So it's kind of like. It's not to say that he that Richard Schiff isn't fantastic. Do you know who the other person up for that role was? No. Eugene Levy. That would have been a career redefining role too. He would have killed it. He would have killed he it would, too. He would have been amazing. He would have been I mean, I can't see anyone else other than Richard Schiff in the role who is obviously toweringly amazing in that. But uh, Eugene Levy was one of those like, yeah, I could kind of maybe see it. Did he ever Ever play a role in a West Wing? No, not that I know of. We'd love to see him as, you know, a random yeah, cabinet same. secretary or a random congressman. He just, he has, yeah, he has these, uh, an unused depth. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's just like he became like, you know, he became Jim's dad and then he just rode that shit all the way to the bank. Yeah. Which I get. All the way to Shit's Creek. All the way to Shit's Creek. Um, this has so been our throw on Richard Schiff. <laughs> This is basically a long way. Phil and I haven't actually sat down a podcast in a long time, and I think we really miss it. So we're going to get back in the studio this weekend. We are. Do a Halloween episode, which we'll throw to at the end of next week's episode. It's a big it's one, guys. Spooky movie. It's one of the biggest one of the biggest movies of 99, right? That's right, but we're not going to tell you what it is yet. Yeah. And um, it's not just, and I don't even mean, I don't mean monetarily. I mean like one of the biggest movies of 99. Culturally, no doubt. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do that. we got some great movies coming up in November. We, uh, and we're planning some really exciting things for, 19, uh, for, for the 20th anniversary of 1999. Some really exciting things. We're going to be the go-to podcast for the 20th anniversary we're hoping, of 1999. Yeah, that's, that's the plan, is to do that. Yes. We're going to do some fun stuff around Christmas as well. It's going to be – I think we've got some, some good shit coming up. So we, we, and we, we should talk about that podcast that's all about the things in 2001 that stole our style. <laughs> At some point, just an entire episode about 2001. We should just do that and just steal all their thunder on all the great stuff that happened in 2001. <laughs> all right. I'm, all right. Uh, you're, you're at Nybart. I'm at Nybart. I'm a Nybart. <laughs> you what are a Nybart. So many Nybarts of us these days. Uh, I am at uh, PM Iscove on Instagram and Twitter. We're at podcast like 1999. Next week, we forgot to talk about our guest, and I feel terrible. Clark Wolf is our guest for. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. Clark Wolf is the best. She she goes to the mat for Forces of Nature, guys, and and it is it is it's something. It is really something. Um, yep. So it's, uh, check it's out. An interesting wolf die on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great episode. Uh, check it out. out that hill. <laughs> and uh, thank you for tuning in. And uh, thank you for listening to Forces of Nature. Hopefully next week. Bye. Later.
Thank you so much, Chuck. Chuck always come back on. Absolutely, just, just man. like just like Laura said about our house. You're I know. Always, <laughs> always invited. Welcome. So you Sweet. just come back on the podcast whenever you feel. Whenever like you want. It. Perfect. I'll just just yeah. randomly show up yeah. here and just knock yeah. on the door, Absolutely. guys. Guys, uh, I brought pizza. We'll definitely have yeah. you back if you're down to come back. Thanks so much. Are you Absolutely. on Twitter? Do you have a Twitter handle? I, I am, really. but I don't tweet. Okay, that's it's, cool. It's at Chuck Off if anybody wants to do that. It's a great handle. Thank you. I'm at PM Isco. Tell your Instagram handle. Instagram is at Zero Chucks. <laughs> Which is what I try to. That's what Fantastic. I try to give. Every time you can yeah. fold chucks, but you always give. Yeah. you always give a million chucks? I, I do. I give too many chucks. You give too I many chucks. Like. Yeah. I do, that's what I'm working on. In I know. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm at PM Iscove on Twitter and Instagram. Kenny's at Nybart on Twitter. Uh, the show is at Podcast Like 1999. Please tweet at us. Please uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.